0: Hello, and welcome to Medium Cool, a movie podcast. I am your host, Austin Glidden, and today, as always, we are brought to you by The Film Yap. Go check out thefilmyap.com for all things film, because, as you know, they never shut up about movies over there. Now, you can also find us on social media, facebook.com. You can, I don't know why I just said dot com, but you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. It's facebook.com backslash mediumcoolpod. You can search Medium cool Pod on Instagram. We'll pop up, and at mediumcoolpod on Twitter. You can also email us at mediumcoolpod at gmail.com now today we are going to be uh you know celebrating you know the memory of the late and great filmmaker kinji fukusaku by talking about battles without honor and humanity from 1973 the first installment of a five um part anthology of films basically um Called the uh, Yakuza Papers, and then we're also going to look at his two thousand release, his last final completed film, Battle Royale. And um, before we get there, I just wanted to quickly give you an update on what we have coming up, and uh, just tell you a little bit about what I've seen recently. Uh, Should be a fun time. So. Uh, Next week, we are planning on having Jake Bottolieri back. Um, He he and I are going to do our final installment of the Cassavetes Marathon, where we talk about the film Opening Night and Love Streams. Those are the two films we're going to be talking about next week. That's the plan. And then uh, the following week, which I believe is the 26th, I'm pulling up the calendar now, uh, the 26th, that Tuesday, we're going to be having our first uh, part of the... Top 10 of 2020. Okay. Now I understand this is a little late. That is in part because I needed to catch up with the year's films. Um, But also, you know, everything's a little bit later this year. The Golden Globes seem way later. The Oscars are in, like, freaking April or something. It's really crazy. So, um, yeah, I just thought, uh, you know, give me a little extra time to get caught up with with some of the stuff I hadn't seen. And I'll just say this. I'm really proud because I I, I started right around Christmas doing this big push, okay? And, And since around Christmas... I have quintupled the amount of movies that I've seen. I've seen five times more. It's really intense. Um, uh, on Saturday, this last Saturday, I watched six movies. Just let that you know sink in a little bit. The two movies we're talking about today I watched, and then I watched four movies from 2020. I'm a machine right now. It's great, and it feels awesome. It reminds me of whenever I was in school, and I would just be just just marathoning movies all the time whether it be for a filmmaker or for that year I used to do that all the time and it's been several years um, I think 2015 was the last year that I actually successfully uh, built a list and had watched enough movies from a given year to for the list to mean anything. Um, I continued to try but I was in grad school for my com degree at that point and it was just I was way too busy to keep up. And it just got worse from there. So this has been really, really fun. And quite frankly, 2020 has been a, a pretty great year for film. You know, I, I only have one five-star movie this year, which I will not name uh, yet. And and uh, I only have a handful of four and a half out of fives because I usually use a five-star scale. Not that I really care about ratings per se, but this just give you an idea of where my mind is, I guess. Um, but I've had a ton. I'd say the majority of what I've seen has been four out of five territory. And that's really impressive because most years are not that, I feel like. I feel like they're like three to three and a half easy, you know, and, and, and I can I can be pretty strict. But we've had some really good movies this year. And, uh, yeah, so, you know, I think last time I had talked about what I'd seen this year. I think I had seen maybe uh, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom and Possessor and, and uh, you know, uh, uh, Dick Johnson is Dead and, and all, all, like a, a bunch of those. Recently, I've seen Never, Rarely, Sometimes, Always, really great. The Assistant was really great. I saw all of uh, Steve McQueen's, the the, f- the collection of five films, Small acts, really great. Uh, I have an argument for why I think people should see all five of them as a complete thing, but whatever, you know, that, that debate's there. I feel like other people are debating that as well. Um, you know, let's see, what else have I seen? I'm actually going to pull up my Letterboxd account uh, just to hopefully... I'm not even signed in. How tragic is that? That I have to, oh my God, and I have to manually sign in? What a monster I am. Um, all right. So <laughs> anyways, um, I, I've watched quite a bit. I watched Promising Young Woman on uh, on Saturday. Uh, what an interesting movie. I, I don't think I like that movie nearly as much as a lot of other people. It felt a little heavy-handed to me, but um, really interesting perspective on 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 the topic. Um, let's see. What else did I see? I saw, of course, I've seen American Utopia. I watched another round, which I might have talked about. Um, we're going to have uh, an interview with the filmmakers behind Antebellum. So I watched Antebellum. Um, see, I saw Borat, uh, subsequent movie film that came out last year, which I laughed a lot. I don't think any film like that will ever be truly great. But man, what what a, what a fun ride. I had a good time. Um, I saw the forty-year-old version, which was which was quite good. Uh, we watched my wife and I watched His House, which is a, a horror movie. I thought that was pretty decent. Uh, let's see what else. Uh, of course, I talked about Mank before, which is whatever. I've seen Nomadland. I watched Palm Springs, The Painted Bird, Possessor. I already mentioned Possessor, uh, Soul, Tommaso. Uh, I saw Synchronic a while back with the screener that we had gotten. Uh, lo- lots of movies is what I'm getting at. I, I, we watched uh, The Wolf of Snow Hollow. We watched Underwater, The Vast of Night. I mean, there, there's a whole lot of movies. I'm not going to be naming all of them, of course. But uh, a lot of movies came out this year. And I would say 85 to 90% of what I just named, I'm a big fan of, actually. So my whole point in saying that is, is this has been a good year for film. and And we're going to be celebrating that on January 26th. January 26th it will be myself Joe and currently we have scheduled uh, Matthew Sosi who uh, basically has a a, a podcast um, called film sociology his last name Sosi sociology <laughs> anyways uh, Matt's gonna be with us uh, he he works with um, with the NPR station WFYI here. And uh, you can find his podcast on iTunes, uh, Spotify, and on the on the NPR and WFYI uh, site th- itself. He just released his top 10, actually. But that dude's crazy. He, he, he did his top 10 films of 2020 in, like, 10 to 15 minutes. We're easily going two hours. Easy. I, uh, the plan is to have two parts, actually. On the schedule, I have a part one and part two because I don't think we'll be able to shut up. Um, but I really wanted to take time and talk about these because we didn't get a chance to review them either. So, anyways, uh, Matt Sosie will be with us. Uh, Joe Shearer from the Film App, of course, as always, uh, as often as we can, we like to have him on. And then uh, I'll be here. We're going to be doing our top ten favorite films of 2020. That's going to be it's planned to be a two parter, January 26th and then February 2nd, and that's what is planned for that. Um, I think what Joe and I are also going to try to do is if we feel like we need to talk about these movies way too much, I think we're going to try to keep it at a minimum during the list. And then we might just do a bonus content where we just go off and like talk about this shit, just so it's not so much main content. But if you choose to hear it and you want to hear about those things, uh, you are more than welcome to do so. So all that to say Um, You know, 2020, I've had a really great time. I really appreciate all of you who are listening and just, you know, helping me find all of the things that, you know, I forgot I loved about film. And this year has been a really great uh, year to get back, despite the fact that we've had a global pandemic and and uh, all kinds of, you know, things related to racial justice and and, uh, you know, government incompetence. And (laughs) there's so many frustrating things this year. Um, but you know, I've, I've been really pleased with the type of, uh, films, a lot of great, um, uh, black filmmakers making movies, uh, a lot of women may, I mean, this is like the year of female filmmakers. I feel like tons of female filmmakers coming out of the woodwork. Maybe this has been going on the past few years, but as I said, I've been out of it, so I don't know. Um, but really, really awesome to see all of these works coming out. And I hope that you've enjoyed, uh, or that you did enjoy 2020 as well. And um, as some of the kind of late limited release movies start to kind of roll out here at the beginning of the year, here in January and February, I hope you get to get caught up with some of the ones we mentioned that may not be out uh, to the public quite yet. Uh, like I said, maybe they had a limited release uh, of some kind. Um, something like Nomad Like I'm pretty sure Nomad Land comes out uh, in February. Uh, if I'm not mistaken. So there are a few movies like that that um, I don't know if we're going to talk about that movie in our top 10, but it's just an example. Anyways, all that to say, back to Kenji Fukasaku. Kenji Fukasaku is a really interesting Japanese filmmaker. He was doing stuff for decades. I bet his career spans six decades easy, Um, meaning he worked within six decades, not that he actually worked for 60 years. Hell, maybe he did. I actually don't have that number in front of me, but the point is he made uh, the huge pop culture movie battle royale we're going to talk about that but first joe and i sat down and we watched the first installment of the yakuza papers it's called battles without honor and humanity kenji fukusaku making a yakuza movie man i mean what could be better i don't know we'll find out how good it was here in a minute All right, dude. We are uh, talking today about Kenji Fukasaku celebrating uh, his death day. Not that we wanted him to die, but, you know, just celebrating his memory, um, Mm -hmm. our memory of him and uh, all of the great films that he gave us. Um, You know, some might debate on which ones are great. I'll tell you this, though, Joe, we should do I have several marathons I told you about. Uh, that I wanted to do. I have them all written out. We will never get to most of them, but just for, it was fun making them, you know, and it was either by filmmaker or genre or whatever. And I had one called um, Films from the Unknown, I think. And it's movies that no one talks about ever. And at one point, you and I talked about like wanting to do movies like that. Like just pick a movie yeah. no one ever cares to mm-hmm. talk about and we'll just like dig in. Well, yeah. Kenji Fukasaku had a movie on that list. And uh, for sci-fi, like old sci-fi Nerds, they might know
1: him. Um,
0: but there's a movie called The Green Slime. <laughs> and I
1: was, you know what? I am I was just about to mention this. Continue. I'll tell you why I was going to mention it.
0: Well, yeah. So he did some uh, other sci-fi stuff, too. This dude's really diverse. And, and I've known about uh, Fukusaku for a while. But um, digging in when I was doing the marathons, not even today and yesterday, kind of doing my uh, final moments, little research. I, like, this is stuff I learned about a month and a half ago. Um, where he did Message from Outer Space. He did the green slime. He also did some samurai pictures for studios there. Not only that, but of course, he was most well-known for his Yakuza stuff. And yeah. probably most notably in the 70s and probably even to the 80s, known for Battles Without uh, Honor and Humanity, which we're going to talk about today. Uh, the Yakuza papers of the whole series. and um, But w- what an interesting guy. What were you going to say about the green... or something related to the green slime?
1: Yeah, so... Uh, you know, uh sorry, I'm putting on um as um you know I was looking through this stuff, I, I stumbled upon the green slime, and the green slime is a movie that I have wanted to see for years and years. Um it was I remember being a kid watching Sammy Terry. I think we've talked about Sammy Terry. Oh, yeah,
0: episode one,
1: dude. Yeah, if uh you know, just a quick recap. He's basically like if you're not if you don't live in the Indianapolis area. Um, or, you know, the central Indiana area. He is our late night, you know, horror movie host from, you know, yesteryear. Um, And I remember as a kid seeing that as a coming attraction, like that was going to be one of the movies he featured. And I (laughs) wanted to see it really bad, and I never got to. And whenever I think of, I've, I've, I've never seen it, like I said, but whenever I think of like these schlocky, Sammy Terry type horror movies, that one pops into my head first because I've wa- I watched Sammy Terry. I don't know how many times, but I don't remember any of the movies, you know, other than um, Godzilla versus King Kong, which was the Holy grail movie as a kid that I needed to see, you know, that when I watched it, I was so excited about it. Sure. Uh, the green slime is the one that I remembered as like, this is next week. And, and I, you know, I was here for a weekend or, You know, it was for a Christmas vacation or something, a winter break, and I didn't, you know, I was leaving, so I never got to see it. Or maybe I fell asleep, I don't know. Um, But I just, I saw that, I was like, holy crap, he directed that. And I was like, we need to, you know, find a way to watch that. Oh, 100%. Dude, I have, well, the the
0: movies from the unknown, there are movies like The Green Slime was on there because I had never heard of it uh, Mm -hmm. before. And the fact that Sammy Terry did it. Now, another thing people should know is um, Sammy Terry. Would usually ho- when he hosted the show, the movies yeah. they would get were movies they could get the rights to, right? So they were ne- you were never gonna get some big budget <laughs> movie yeah. that had like where you had to pay a, a buttload of money for for right. for rights. So they're getting like the green slime. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think that yeah. is amazing. I didn't know that, uh-huh. but it's yeah. a- and when I say movies from the unknown, it's not just movies. Like of course people have heard of these movies, especially people sure. who like Kenji Fukasaku or. Um, you know people who like uh, any any of the the I was a part of a community called Cinemageddon uh, years ago online and and it, it was it was basically a, a piracy <laughs> uh, thing but it was really a community though very close-knit it was a closed server you had to be invited to get in like it was a very exclusive thing but they didn't you weren't allowed to post big movies on there it is only the obscure and unheard of movies right and and I almost wanted to call it like the cinemageddon like you know movie marathon um even though some of these titles still wouldn't work on there but it's like you know you have people who know this but generally if you ask someone what the green slime is they're not going to know what it is I'm actually surprised you know but it's awesome why you know because that kind of makes my point right and so he did that he did message from outer space which is really cool um, but you know, uh, I don't know. I, I, am I want to do that. So back to the, sorry, back to the marathon. So you used to have oh. stuff like the green slime and then there's a, I think it's New Zealand. It might be Australian, but I'm pretty sure it's a New Zealand film called, um, the year my voice broke. Have you ever no. heard of that? No. Okay. This was like uh, a film that's supposed to be incredible from what I've heard, yeah. but like no one knows it. There's a film. I can't remember if it won the grand prize or if it won. The Golden Palm or what at, at uh, the Cannes Film Festival, um, but Toto the Hero, I don't know if you've ever heard of that, it's a French yeah, film, um, and I, I've i seen it before, uh, but it was only on VHS, so I had a VHS copy of it, and this is long into the DVDs, I don't think it's still ever been put out in America. It'd be really fun to watch these, like, really random movies. But I only bring that up because the green slime is on there. And uh, we really do have to make an excuse, even if it's just bonus content. I don't care because I really want to see this movie. Um, But anyways, um, Kenji Fukasaku, what an interesting character. Uh, We're going to be starting with, uh, right here, Battles Without Honor and Humanity. Uh, I know that you finished this uh, today, I believe, Joe. Um, We were kind of texting about it. I watched it yesterday. And um I've been doing a lot of research on this movie. And um I'll be damned if if the research hasn't helped me appreciate the film a whole lot more. I don't know if you've looked into it much, but but let's Not let's yeah. let's talk about this here. Battles Without Honor and Humanity from 1973. It kick-started the Yakuza Papers, which is a series of five films directed by Fukasaku. Um and uh, the synopsis is basically The film chronicling the underworld tribulations of Shozo Hirono, played by Bunta Sugawara. I don't know. I'm trying. I'm trying too hard, probably, but it's fine. I'll just say it like a super white guy. Bunta Sugawara. Um, (laughs) A young ex-soldier and street thug turned Yakuza in post-war Hiroshima. Uh, Starting in the open-air black markets of bombed-out Hiroshima in 1946, the film spans a period of time uh, more than 10 years, and the plot consists of a changing of the guard of new families and organizations with the same feuds and people punctuated by gritty violence. Um, this film, like I said, 1973, uh, something important to remember also in history. The Godfather comes out in 1972 here in America, right? Uh, changes the gangster landscape altogether. That That's an easy, easy one to say. The thing is, in Japan they weren't making films like we were making in our new wave right so the japanese new wave which happened kind of uh, within a few years but overlapping and simultaneously as the new hollywood movement happened uh the new hollywood or the uh japanese new wave man they were tackling different things why because our cultures are different so they're yeah. bucking their cultural aspects they're doing a lot of sexual stuff they're doing a lot of Uh, violent stuff, much like we were, but it's very much directed in a different way because of our culture. So we're getting these kick-ass movies that are like these weird French films basically turned like American films, you know? (laughs) Um, And stuff like, you know, uh, Bonnie and Clyde, which was basically, you know, Arthur Penn's version of a French New Wave film, or, uh, you know, The Godfather, which was heavily influenced by a lot of European cinema. Japan was doing something different. Not to say they weren't influenced by those things, maybe, but they were doing something different. They were bucking a different beast. And so, <laughs> like, Battles Without Honor and Humanity, because Fukusaku was a part of that movement, I think, toward the end. I don't think he was, like, a major player, but he was definitely a, in it. And you can sense it. If you watch any other Japanese New Wave, and I hope we do sometime just for fun, mm-hmm. um, because and Suzuki is a guy I would love to do a marathon on. He was He was a New Wave guy. I've loved every movie, but I think you would like Youth of the Beast. Yeah. <laughs> we'll we'll talk about that another time. I'm really trying hard not to talk about it right now because it's great. It's on yeah. my shelf back there. But anyways. Um, but uh yeah, so so this film, you know, has definitely that new wave vibe a little bit, but man, he used some innovative techniques. So check this out. The film is an adaptation of a series of articles by journalist uh Kuichi Iboshi, I think. Mm-hmm. Man, I you know, beforehand I was practicing all these names, really going to try to hit it, <laughs> and then I just I just completely bomb. Um, yeah, but Kyochi Ibashi, uh, who was the journalist that uh, put a series of articles together that ran in the weekly Sinkei, which is a publication there. The script was a rewrite of the manuscript originally written by real-life Yakuza Kozomino uh, while he was incarcerated in, here we go again, Abashiri Prison. Hopefully I said that right. Uh, the memoirs detail a Yakuza conflict in Hiroshima. So, this film is based on a real Yakuza's memoirs in prison, yeah. right? So, that's really cool. Uh, it's set in post war Japan, and Fukusaku drew on his own experiences as a child uh, growing up during World War II. Um, and at 15, he worked with other children in a munitions factory that was uh, regularly bombed during the war, right? So, wow. yeah. the director recalled, uh, and this is him speaking. Even though we were friends working together, the only thing we could be thinking of was self-preservation. We would try to get behind each other or beneath dead bodies to avoid bombs. I also had to clean up all the dead bodies. I'm sure those experiences have influenced the way I look at violence. Okay? So violence is a key aspect of this film, and we'll come back to that.
1: Absolutely.
0: The film, uh, noted for its extreme violence, as I just uh, touched on, opens with Japanese soldiers during uh, America's occupation of the country, stealing food and murdering for a bowl of rice. Um, so it's really showing the hard, the hardships of the Japanese during these uh, immediate post-war um, situations. But, but Fukusaku uses handheld camera, zoom lenses, and, and natural lighting to create a gritty, chaotic look. Um, and the shaky cam became a technique that would kind of work throughout his, in a lot of his filmography after this point. Uh, the film took 35 to 40 days to shoot, which was relatively short uh, uh, for most pro- projects, but I mean, oh, really? um, for then especially. And then uh, many real Yakuza, this is very cool, many real Yakuza, okay, uh, including those that certain characters in the film were modeled after, gathered on set. And they gave advice to both the directors and actors are the director and actors. So like they had just Yakuza walking around. Anybody who's listening to this and I'm sure you already know this, but anybody who's listening to this, the Yakuza is our mafia. All right. The yeah. Yakuza is the Japanese. They're like all tatted up. They're badasses. They are good fellas. Okay. <laughs> like they're the real life Japanese good fellas. So imagine good fellas and having like real mafiosos on set. That's what's happening here. And so it's funny because decades later, the actor who plays Hiroshi Wakasugi, uh, which is his uh, the main character's friend who they do like the blood brother thing in prison, yeah, yeah. the other huh? guy, not the main guy, but the other guy he does that with, that's Wakasugi. And uh, he, the actor stated that he felt sorry for actors playing Yakuza today because, quote, they don't have the chance to get to know real Yakuza the way we did. <laughs> and I love that. Um, yeah. It's pretty cool. The film got a lot of accolades, of course, more probably more than Battle Royale, even though it didn't reach kind of global pop culture like Battle Royale did. Um, yeah. But uh, it was, it, so in Japanese, or Japanese, God, in Japan's <laughs> oldest <laughs> film magazine, it's called Kinema Junpo, uh, a.k.a. Kinajun. I'll call it Kinajun just for short. Uh, It awarded Battles. I'm going to call the movie Battles because I don't want to say the whole thing. Yeah, that's a lot. But anyways, uh, it awarded Battles the three. uh, It awarded it three wins for their annual movie awards picks. Uh, So it won Best Actor for Bunta Sugawara. uh, Best Screenplay by Kazuo Kasahara. And then it won the Reader's Choice Award for Best Film that year. Okay. Wow. Which is pretty crazy. Uh, Kunajun also named Battles its number five on the top ten best Japanese films of all time in 2009. So the 2009 oh. list, it's number nine under, only beaten by, Tokyo Story from 1953, Seven mm-hmm. Samurai from 1954, Floating Clouds from 1955, and The Sun and the Last Days of the Shogunate in 1957. Note, note that all of those films are from the 50s. And then you get this random early 70s movie (laughs) that just like bumps up right beneath. Uh, So, very interesting that people love this so much because I think what we're going to, when we get into talking about it, I have a few more things to say. But when we get into talking about it, I think we as 21st century, you know, film critics or journalists or however you want to put it, uh, like we will have a very different view of this film probably than people that live in the culture and understand it in the same way that we might understand the Godfather or something uh, different like that. Um, Because I do have criticisms of this film, of course, uh, but we'll get there. So in 2011, the online media uh, publication or whatever, Complex, named it the number number one on their list of the 25 best Yakuza movies. And there are a lot of Yakuza movies if people don't, watch them uh it might sound like a really niche thing that's like a big genre so there's a lot of movies jasper sharp writing for the british film institute listed it as one of the 10 greatest japanese gangster movies um the film is also known as the japanese godfather so that's another thing and then uh lastly tarantino loves fukusaku okay and I'm sure you got this watching it. Even the opening yeah. with the music sounds like something that'd be straight in Kill Bill or, or Absolutely. a variety of Tarantino movies, right? Yeah. So oh, yeah. uh, Tarantino loves Fukusaku and uh, has shot many scenes paying homage to the filmmaker. I can only imagine battles is a huge influence on him. He has not named that specifically. However, the title of a Hote instrumental used in Kill Bill. So one of the songs on the original soundtrack for Kill Bill is named after the movie, okay, Battles Without Honor and uh, 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 Humanity. That's why I call it Battles. (laughs) Uh, And as Noel Murphy said in the AV Club, he said, uh, it's now the cue music for seemingly every sports-related talk radio show in America. Uh, If you listen (laughs) to that song, you'll know exactly which, because I didn't know which one it was just hearing it, but whenever you hear the song, it's like, oh yeah, duh, that's everywhere now. So anyways, that's all of my accolades and history I'm going to bring up now. Mm -hmm. Clearly, this film is revered um, not only by people in Japan, uh, but by a lot of film critics who are kind of in the know on Japanese culture and film. Um, But I want to know your thoughts, Joe. I want to start with what do you think of the film? Where would you like to start? I'm going to let you go.
1: Man, there's... (laughs) there's so much, you know, there's so much, um, you know, you mentioned the, you know, you mentioned us watching it as, you know, people, you know, adults, film lovers, journalists, critics, whatever from the 21st century. And, uh, you know, from, from my perspective, you know, and I told you about this, um, I had a difficult time kind of keeping up with all of it. Um, I, I have the general gist, right? Like you know who the main character is, you know basically what he's doing. But there's this is a really intricate, rich, complex film, and there's you know there's a multi there's multiple families um, involved, and it's kind of and who is who are the good guys and bad guys, so to speak, kind of switch off. You know, and you know of course I'm speaking from the at the context of the film, right? The context of the characters. Uh, you know, who, who are our heroes, enemies are, kind of, kind of moves around it, you know, the, it's, it's very circular and, um, you know, it's, it's a mob film, you know, for all intents and purposes. So, you know, of course it's, there's a lot of twists and turns. So, uh, you know, I'll, let's, let's kind of start at the beginning then for me. Um, I, I thought it was really cool starting just after World War II, it, you know, and, and you see, you know, they're, they're in Hiroshima and there's, it's, Kind of chaos, and there's all these, you know, they're out in this market, and next thing you know, people are chopping each other's arms off, they're they're just shooting each other in the streets. It's it starts with um American soldiers uh trying to rape a a Japanese woman, and the you know, the guy who becomes um the main character in this film stops him and or you know, or he participates in it, you know, this group of men are stopping him, he goes off and, and kills someone, and it's like this is the start of the movie, and you're like, where, you know. Where are we going from here? <laughs> yeah. And it only gets it only gets more and more detailed and, and intricate. This is so it in that way it strikes me as a movie that you could watch several times, you know, and, and really get really get something completely different the second, third, fourth time you're watching it. On
0: on that note, I want to cut in just real quick because uh yeah, I want yeah. you to keep going. But on this specific note, um I, I honestly like the first third of this movie, I kept getting distracted because I was trying to watch it in the living room and I felt bad because I'm watching yeah. this like random 70s, like kind of uh, to use a word that you've used before, bonkers, like movie, you know, <laughs> Yeah. Um, and my yeah. wife's like trying to do stuff and I like felt bad. So then like I ended up going to the bedroom and just like watching on my laptop in the dark, just kind of uh, just trying to get into it because I realized early on. You really have to watch this movie. And it reminded me of my experience with Tinker Taylor Soldier Spy from a few years ago, where it's like they'll name a person once. And if you're not paying attention, they don't talk about that person again till later. And then they're just going to start dropping the name like you're supposed to know who it is. And it's like it's not it's not so much the fault of the film, though. I wish that things were maybe depicted differently for you know, uh, to be able to keep that clear, but that's not, it's yeah. more of a fault of like, you got to pay attention to this shit. And I no. wasn't prepared for that because I've seen Fukusaku uh, movies and I, I know how it works, but I hadn't seen this one. And, and it kind of, it kind of caught me off guard because in battle royale not to jump the gun here, but you don't really need to remember their names or like, right. you know, I mean? <laughs> like you don't need to yeah, remember their yeah, numbers. Exactly. Like you can really just get along and right. you remember faces almost, you know what I mean? Like it's fine. Yeah. And then there are certain people you'll remember their names in this film. It's not that way. Cause they'll just talk about them all the time and then someone will die. And then yeah. it'll have that little subtitle that says so-and-so died on this day or whatever. Yes, it's like, yes. Oh shit, that dude's important. Cause they've been talking about yeah. him as a boss. And I didn't even know that was the guy, you know? And so um, yeah. that's, I think that was more on me. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. But saying that, though, what I found myself doing is when I went to my bedroom to start watching it, I ended up just looking at the Wikipedia plot and just like <laughs> reading down until like the beginning of a line was something I didn't know and stop. Just to like recap myself, just to help me remember. And that's on me. That's totally on me. But uh, I, my, I'm my, i making your point, though, is it's kind of like yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, it is a complex film that it's something mm-hmm. you can't just sit back and watch. Like you really you really got to be in it. And so I totally yeah. support you there. Go ahead.
1: Yeah, yeah, and and I was and I was actually going to say I can't even think of the main character's name now off the top of my. I keep forgetting it.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think it's Shoto maybe or or hold on, hold on, I'll get it. I have it pulled up. Shozo, uh, Shozo,
1: Shozo. Yeah, yeah, Shozo, and and they call them Shozo Hirono is his name. Yeah, and they and they even you know obviously you know and this is again a, a culture thing, right? Is He's called Shozo by some people. He's called Hirono, which I guess is his more familiar name, right? is his, his first name essentially, I guess in, in our culture um, uh, by other people. So it's that even makes it, you know, again from my perspective, more difficult because I'm like, oh, you know yeah well, you know yeah. but but anyway, um, and and you you know, you touched on these little, they're not not subtitles necessarily, but they introduce a lot of these characters with a excuse me he introduced a lot of these characters with a um like a like a subtitle at the top of the screen and it you know at at the beginning and and it says this person's you know he's the future underboss of the you know whatever family and but you don't even know the
0: families yet with some of these right and then once they introduce the family they don't bring that back up so it's like you're keeping track of all this shit in your head man
1: right yeah yeah and and it's when I saw it, I was like, "Well, that's kind of a that feels like kind of a lazy plot device." But, um, but in that sense, you know what it reminds me of. Um, and I don't want to get too far into this, but it kind of reminds me of uh, Dune when David Lynch made the, his Dune film. Um, I saw that in the theater, and they handed you before you went into the theater a like a sheet <laughs> of paper, telling you who some of the characters were, talking about you know the spice and the sandworms, and it kind of just introduces all this stuff it's sort of like that in a sense that there's so many characters that so many characters in, in so many moving parts that you almost have to have that little bit of introduction. That's wild. I, again, again, as a, as a, uh, a Westerner, you know, trying to understand Japanese culture. Um, but, but yeah, there's um, you know, so I want to say that at first, there are a lot of things too, that again, viewing from our eyes, kind of comes off as silly from time to time. Um, and, you know, and and I was just thinking about it actually too. If, you know, a, someone from Japan, for instance, maybe watching Goodfellas or The Godfather, maybe not The Godfather so much because they toned down some of those stereotypical, you know, American, Italian gangster kind of things. But um, definitely Goodfellas where they're all using the, the, you know, Italian accents. There's all these thick Italian accents and, and you know they talk in that that you know mobster way right it those things might come off as silly you know to someone in japan but the, you know there was a lot of like the the one thing i noted actually whenever somebody's getting shot it turns into this like crazy jumble of people falling down they like fall all <laughs> over each other as they're shooting each other <laughs>
0: yeah it's very very <laughs> sloppy now I'll, yeah, I'll out myself and just say, I adore this, but
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I absolutely do it. It just, but once you see it, once you see it the first time, you're like, well, geez, what are, the hell are they doing? Is it, you know, is it icy out there, but they'll, you know, they'll start shooting and everybody's falling down and like the, the guy, like they're, they're running at each other and shooting. And I'm like, why don't you just stop and shoot the guy in the head instead of shooting him in the chest eight times and tripping over him. And then rolling around in the ground, and then standing up and shooting. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) it just some of that comes off as silly to me. But again, that's you know, I think that's there's a cultural aspect to that as well. But um, yeah, the I don't know where I'm going with that.
0: (laughs) Well, I'll say something with that. What so something I love just to bring the direction into it is um, the film, as I've mentioned before, is is known for its really visceral kind of documentary like. Uh, yep. way that it was shot, and and of course by now today's standards, we can see through that that it mm-hmm. doesn't really feel like a documentary, right? But bringing that history that I brought in, how films weren't really done this way prior mm-hmm. to like this era of you know that kind of new wave mentality, mm-hmm. um, that had to be so visceral and raw, especially whenever because you know in the Godfather, there's there's a point in the first one where a bunch of people are getting knocked off really quickly toward the end. Yes. And this is whenever, um, what's uh, Michael Caine's, or not Michael Caine. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care.
1: I don't that is Caine's.
0: not at all. My, wouldn't that be great if Michael Caine was in The Godfather? I would but, love to see Michael Caine in um, The Godfather. <laughs> who am I trying to think of? Um, I don't know. Are you
1: talking about Duvall or nope.
0: um, James Caan? Thank you. Oh, my God. Yeah, James Caan. James yeah, yeah. character. I don't know. And I don't know why I can't think of his name right now. But Sonny, uh, Sunny, Sunny, yeah. thank you. I was like, it's such, it's like an, a famous thing. But anyways, uh, when well, like even when Sonny dies, I'm pretty sure around that time, a bunch of people are getting knocked off, if I remember correctly. It's been a while. Yeah, yeah, I also yeah. might be mixing it up with the second one, because a bunch of people get off in that one, too. Yeah, and right. um, But they start knocking a bunch of people off. This movie, uh, Battles, does the same thing, uh, yes. where there's a point where I mean, how many people die in a matter of, like, five minutes? Like, they cut to different people. I bet, like, ten people getting offed quick. Dude, that shit's brutal. I mean, they're, like, running up, and I can't imagine how many squibs are on this dude's chest because they're just falling over him, like you're saying. But they're just unloading in this dude's chest as he's, like, screaming. And right. it's that classic like, you know, you talked about it in like Italian horror movies when we did our horror stuff, that like yeah. light colored blood. Like it's not quite yeah. as like neon red paint as <laughs> as the yes, Italian movies, yeah. but it is like uh-huh. lighter than you expect, you know. Uh-huh. Um but man, I thought those were actually really effective scenes. Speaking of yeah. people tripping uh-huh. over each other and stuff, but it seemed yeah, really yeah. intense. Uh, did uh-huh. you feel the same way about those
1: scenes? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And and there's, you know, there's some moments where you know, there there will be, like someone will be shot and then in the net, then it'll cut and you'll see them like from the back, right? And there's this, you see like the trail of blood coming out that, you know, from the exit wound and you'll see it it very much looks painted on, right? Like mm-hmm. it's, it's on their jacket, you know, or their their shirt and they have this trail painted down. And you're like, it, you know, just the the look of it and the texture of it, you're like, yeah, that's, you know it, it's not again, by our standards, super realistic. But the, it's almost like the simplicity of it, the, it makes it more effective. It makes it more, it feels more real, even though you can tell it's not right. Like the, the way the squibs go off. You know. Yeah.
0: Have you seen Man Bites Dog from 1992? No, I haven't seen that. Okay. Uh, It's known as one of the most disturbing films of all time. We have to watch it. I adore this movie. Criterion put out a DVD of it. They don't have a Blu-ray of it, but there's a DVD of it. It looks great. I'll just say this real quick um yeah. it is a uh oh fuck i'm already forgetting where it's from but uh, it's not french but they speak french i don't know why i'm like spacing that i'm kind of embarrassed yeah. about it but anyways doesn't matter the point is they are uh these three friends that went to school together and mm-hmm. uh in the movie they're the ones that directed i mean in the movie one of those three friends is the main actor he plays a serial killer The other two play a documentary crew in the movie. So they're making a documentary. And this is like a found footage movie, basically. Okay. They're in the movie filming a documentary about the serial killer. And they actually like film him murdering people and eventually start kind of getting brought into his world. Um and and but it's a dark comedy. Um I mean, they're shoving flutes up people's asses and stuff. I mean, it's it sounds (laughs) ridiculous, but it's not that ridiculous. That actually has context. But it's Mm. it's a dark comedy, you know. Uh, But the ways he kills people is really visceral. Now, this was shot on a shoestring budget, and I'm getting back to battles. This is all to make a point. Mm. Shoestring budget. They borrowed cameras. You know, they had family members act in the movie. Like, I mean, this is your classic, absolutely like no money used, trying to do this as a student film, basically, and it ended up like placing at Cannes Film Festival and stuff. Wow. I mean, they did it. They use their budget so well because it's supposed to be this kind of like low-budget skeleton crew documentary, which is perfect Mm -hmm. because they have like three people or four people or whatever, you know, um, like on the screen or whatever. Um, But he's just like, the way he murders people and stuff is very quick and the way that they cut things and the way it's in black and white, so they can really mask anything that would look like unrealistic blood just by yeah. eliminating color, right? I feel I say all that to say, you know, that was in 92. This is several years prior to that, like uh, yeah. uh, over a decade, uh, nearly two. And uh, with battles, I felt like those cuts, because they cut really quickly, there is a lot of handheld, and there is a lot of yeah. movement. And part of me yeah. wonders if those people fallen over them, if there isn't as much of a cultural... Uh, significance and it's more of a choice i wonder if that is also just to help mask a lot of it and make it crazy
1: which yeah, that would have yeah. been
0: normal at the time but i think without that it would have been way
1: sillier do you get what i'm yeah, saying yeah. whereas oh yeah absolutely.
0: it's a bit more visceral that way i'm, I'm done yeah now.
1: yeah no, and well and most of those most of the scenes where someone is is killed or, or a, even just a fight scene they're very chaotic and it, it's it's generally a group of people and they're clutching at each other and grabbing at each other. And, you know, they're they're in close quarters most of the time. And, you know, even there's, there's guys shooting guns at each other kind of at close range and, and you know, hitting or mi- and missing, you know, depending on, you know, what's going on. But then there's a crowd of people around them also who get involved. So um, I, I wanted to to touch on, too, the beginning, um, the scene where they grab the two guys and they cut off their arms.
0: Yeah, I was actually going to go to this next, too. So go ahead. Yeah,
1: and man that was now that was pretty you know that's pretty realistic looking you know um and and, you know they grab this guy and they they just stretch his arm out chop his arm off with the samurai sword and the other then they turn around look at the other guy and they go i'll cut your right arm off you know and the guy's like no and he takes off again it's it's so it feels it feels realistic yeah yeah it's very very close
0: quarters Yeah,
1: yeah because he slips away from you know there's two or three guys holding him and he slips away and turns around and takes off. And it's, narratively speaking, it's not important necessarily. You know, like, you know, it would be just as easy for them to go, oh, no, I'm gonna chop your arm off and he, you know, just does it. But the guy gets away for just a brief moment and they turn around and they have to grab him before he gets out the door. And they grab him and drag him back, you know, into where, you know, to almost into frame, I guess. And they, you know, then they stretch his arm out. And but when
0: they cut his arm off there that second guy that's quick yeah. like when they bring him yes. back in it's almost out of nowhere they just like hack yes. it off and then just to to bring up a back to Tarantino you know Tarantino and kill bill when people yeah. get their limbs blown off it sprays it does that that anime spray right and yes. that's that's that is fukusaku all the way dude i mean in Absolutely. any of his movies with blood you're getting these sprays and these It's like a mist of blood, you know, and that shoots out of their arm when they when it gets cut off. It reminded me of Kill Bill.
1: And and we'll we'll probably get into that a bit with Battle Royale in a little bit because there's some times when that happens for sure. Definitely, definitely. But um yeah, but but this is you know, this this film is just it's really interesting because it the things that I remember that stick in my head are these moments, these really, you know graphic and gory moments, but there's a lot in between going on. There's a lot of, you know, machinations and there's a lot of, you know, this guy's, (laughs) my okay, my favorite, this is probably my favorite, (laughs) my favorite moment in the whole movie. And maybe you know exactly what I'm about to say now. There's a moment where, um, where uh, Hirono, uh, Shozo Hirono, I don't know what I'm going to call him. He, um, he, he, they're, they're they're playing cards or, or no, they're playing this, they're gambling they're playing dice or something. yeah yeah
0: yeah
1: and there's this one guy that's just a belligerent dick right and so that you know they're put up with him for just a second and he's he's like yelling at the dealer because it's not you know he's losing and finally it turns into a fight and then later on he finds out hirono finds out that he's gotten into a fight with one of the um one of the elders he's a relative of his he's a nephew or something and and his boss is is pissed right and he's like you gotta do something about this and he's like what about if i just cut off my little finger oh yeah the guy's like the guy's like yeah sure it won't cost us any money go ahead and do that so he he cuts his own little finger off and it's you know and it's this and it's a very tarantino-esque kind of moment you know if you if you want to say that in reverse obviously this is way before tarantino but this is the kind kind of the, like the tension he builds They, you know, they go and they get this knife and there's a, a woman telling him how to do it. And, you know, he and he does, he chops his finger off. And then there's this very comic moment where his finger flies off of the, you know, off. <laughs> he's, he's got a cutting board. Right. And it flies. And they're like, they're like, shit, where's the finger? Where'd it go? Because they have to give it to the to the to the elder to prove that he's done it. Yeah. <laughs> and, it, and it flew into the chicken coop that was nearby.
0: <laughs> yeah, cuz he puts and, his whole body weight into it. And by the way, yeah. there's there's a, you know, you have a ritual death which yes, going and I'm I'm talking about the finger thing in a second, but you have huh? uh seppuku or harakuri yeah. where people uh, do ceremonial death which Homie tries to do with like a fucking straight razor in prison or something which is insane yeah, yeah. that's so yeah. bloody and he's, uh, and he's trying
1: to like fake do it too right like he's trying to do it so that he survives right? exactly yeah but he, yeah
0: he fucks himself up and then yeah. um but in the scene you're talking about there's a name for that for surrendering uh-huh. a piece of your finger not the whole finger but just like a joint or like a piece of your finger yeah. it's called yubitsumi um and it's it's known it's done as a an like you know you can use it as like an apology or like uh right. as a as a, a penance of sorts if you actually look it up on on Wikipedia just to give you an example the first picture at the top is literally just a dude that clearly cut his finger off and it's been now yeah. healed yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah um but yeah it's it's uh it's a Japanese ritual to atone for offenses to another so it's funny because yeah. this goes back to culture what we're talking about like to yeah. us it seems like almost comical because the guy's like I'll just cut my finger off and they're like yeah, sure. That's that is absolutely appropriate, and we're just like, what the fuck,
1: you know? Yeah. <laughs> but this yeah. is like a
0: thing. Like this is a yeah. thing in Japanese culture that people uh-huh. would do uh, to kind of atone for offenses.
1: Yeah, and well, and the best part of it, then you know, and I'm assuming this is all meant to be comic as well, um, because they, you know, they find it, it flies into the coop, and they, they finally, they're like, they're, they're falling again over each other trying to dig through the dirt because they're like, it must've fallen in the garden. And, and then the guy's like, Oh, I see it. And he goes and gets it and he pulls it out. And he's like, I've got it. It's been hen pecked, you know, like, so like yeah. the hens have <laughs> yeah. already pecked. And then it immediately cuts to the elder as they're opening the envelope with the finger in it. And he just laughs and he's like, what the hell are you guys doing? This wasn't necessary. These are just two, two dummies getting in a fight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: The whole time it's, it's not even that important. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, all they had to do was go talk to him, but yeah, I mean this, yeah. but this is, you know, this is almost where Yakuza and mafia differs, right? Like yeah. in the mafia, you'd either just probably be killed or you would be kind of warned, right? Like, right. cause even if you went to them and apologized, mm-hmm. someone's going to come to you and tell you, you fucked up or they're going to give you a bullet to the head, like one of the two. Right. Um, right at least that's my depiction uh, based on yeah, movies yeah. and my own random morbid curiosity right. about the mob. But mm-hmm. like uh, the Yakuza have like very different kind of rules, so to speak. And, yeah. and this is all very relevant to the movie. Cause I feel like that's what most of the movie is, is this detailing mm-hmm. like the reality of the mob. Um, yeah. and with the Yakuza, like, uh, you know, one guy couldn't act out a hit because, mm-hmm he was technically a part, uh, he was technically beholden to that boss. Mm -hmm. And he's like, no, I can't do that because like, he's technically my leader, even though the guy doesn't like him and would totally just kill him. But it's like this, like this, like technicality (laughs) that everyone just so happens to back up. Right? Like, no, no. Oh, that's right. You can't kill him. That's fine. You know? um, And and the same boss that's talking about that too. I, I love the difference from our mafia movies. If you know, if you remember that boss, I'm gonna to try to look up in like t minus five seconds to see if I can find his name. Um, I'm sure I will. I th- I think it actually is Yamamori, um, the the main boss that uh, Shozo ends up working with. Um, but that dude cries all the time. Yes, Every yeah. Every time he's talking to Shozo, I feel like he's just crying <laughs> in that classic Japanese like over the top cry. Um, yeah. and I, I actually, at first it caught me off guard cause I thought they were making him look like this just like total wuss boss, you know? Wow. Yeah, but yeah. then at the same time, I'm like, man, this is so different though. Like you don't get this with like bosses, right? It, unless, right. or they're going to get killed real quick and someone quote unquote stronger is going to take over. But this dude's just like boss for a long time. <laughs> like yeah, just yeah. as this guy that has like, seems to have power. And, and a- another thing I want to bring up with that also because we keep talking about these things that kind of crack us up and it, we don't know yeah. if it's meant to be humor sometimes, or if it really is just a cultural thing. Another yeah. thing is this, some people have a hard time going back to like, you know, production code era movies, like, like pre new Hollywood, sure, uh, yeah. because, you know, watching Jimmy Stewart or something, he has like, to some people, it's so old fashioned, you know, yes. like there's like an old fashioned acting, the way people talk, you know, the way they interact with one another, it's either sounds yes. to some people overwritten Or it sounds unrealistic, right? When in reality, well, it doesn't matter. So (laughs) um, that was about to be a whole tangent. So, like, you have that, right? Imagine old Japanese stuff, right? Mm -hmm. So in Japan, you also have that same response to a lot of old Japanese movies because there it is old-fashioned to some people. But then we as Westerners also have to overcome the cultural stuff as well. So it's like a double whammy for a lot of people with these. Now granted, you know, this was already into the Japanese new wave and we start to get these like newer films, but a lot of this stuff, you know, carries through into the 80s, you know. I mean, yeah. longer even, but I mean, I think they start to get more realistic so to speak um yeah. in the 80s. So uh, yeah, but man, I, I love the finger thing and I love, I love the, the like the lady that's just like walking. Like I've seen this a ton of times. Yeah. You just do this yeah. thing, you know?
1: Yeah. Like, she, yeah I don't want to do it.
0: <laughs> yeah. 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 She's great. And that, that really is kind of the crux of the whole film is uh-huh. like all of these, they almost feel random because you have to keep, it's almost like you have to like write out, uh, like, uh, what do you call it? Like a a grid or like a chart, you know, like a tournament chart or something, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Yeah. Something like that, that like tells you how all these people are connected, but even that would change, like you were saying, because some people jump ship or they go here and there. And, um, you know, on, on, on the level of complexity, because I do want to move on uh, to anything else you have to say, uh, but to close up the complexity part, especially, and, and kind of how um, intricate this, the workings are of the plot. Um, On that level, I do see it, I I understand, I should say, I understand the Japanese Godfather title, because those Uh, complexities in that story uh, and in that plot actually are really, like, complex and admirable to me. Like, they really try to dig in and get to the truth of what a Yakuza is, and I can only imagine that that was, like, helped tremendously by having real Yakuza on the set and saying, like, hey, yo, that's not how this goes, um, right. but yeah, so, um, moving on though, did, did you have any, anything else, uh, that you wanted to say about this? Go for it.
1: Yeah. It, it, it's just the, this movie is, it's something I, so, you know, you talked about having to kind of switch or, you know, switch off. You were sitting in there, um, in your living room and you, you know, had to go. I, I tried three times. I started three times. I don't want to say I tried. I don't want it to, I don't want it to feel like this was a, a, a hard movie to watch. It was it's just complicated to understand. It was, I was entertained the whole movie, but when it was over, I had realized, you know, I, I, sat here, when I sat here knowing that I was missing out on a lot, like, you know, that I hadn't grasped a lot. I started watching it last night and it was late. And I don't, you know, and again, this isn't a any kind of indictment on the quality of the movie. Um, Cause I started at like, at, I don't know, 10 30 or 11 o'clock at night. And, you know, I've been having like some insomnia issues. And, and so I got about 20 minutes in and I just was, Dozing off, I was, and I was like, "Yeah, I can already tell." Like you said, this is something I have to focus on. I I turned it off, and then I I woke up at about five o'clock this morning, and decided to try watching it again. And the same thing was happening, was that I was just not lucid enough to be really grasping it. So I stopped again. I got further into it. I got about forty five minutes into it, and then I uh, finally, at about, I finally got up. Um, at about 10 o'clock, you know, after being kind of up and down. And I was like, I'm just going to kind of start this over about 20 minutes in. I I went all the way back to about, I was at about 45, went all the way back to about 20 minutes, when, you know, where I was definitely remembering stuff. And then I was like, you know what? I need to just start over. I just started brand new from the start again. <laughs> and I still, you know, like I'm still, Again, I'm entertained as can be, you know, there's, it's bloody death, you know, mobster death, you know, the whole movie, but I, I need to watch it again, start to finish. And probably again, after that, to, to start grasping, you know, all of the, the plot of it. It's basically just, other. you know, in my head right now, it's a, a mash of mobsters murdering each other and, you know, yeah, and, yeah. And going through the, you know, going through the motions of, um, uh, you know, being, being Yakuza, you know, and, you know, doing their things. So, well, let, let me say this to kind of make your point here.
0: Um, yeah. cause I put an example, uh, on here of, of something that someone had written. And, uh, in 1946, Kure, uh, war veteran Shozo Hirono is sent to prison after shooting a sword wielding Yakuza who assaulted his friend He befriends and becomes sworn brothers with another prisoner, Doi family member Hiroshi uh, Wakasugi, uh, who arranges for Yoshio Yamamori, patriarch of the Yamamori family, to bribe the prison warden and get him released. Hirono and his gang of fellow ex-soldiers, Tetsuya Sakai, uh, uh, there are six other names here, then uh, join the Yamamori family by swearing loyalty to the boss and to each other. I've, I've said like now, if I were to say those five other names or whatever that were there, right. you can already tell this gets really convoluted very quickly. Yes. You get what I'm yeah. saying? Like It's a lot oh, yeah. of names, and and the amount of times I said these names is about all you hear them until people yeah. just start ringing them off later, um, and you get a lot of the family names, like the Doi family or the Yamamori family, and uh, I think there's like a Kaita or something. I can't remember off the top of my head, yeah. but yeah. there's like these multiple families, and Man, it really, you know, it's it's also just a a disservice for someone, you know, Westerners like us to watch it, because if we watched a movie like this set in the US and we have names, you know, like Jones, Black, you know, uh, Jordan, uh, you know, Jameson, even if they were all similar, because we're so familiar with these names, it would not be that hard for us to follow them. The problem also, I think, for we Westerners, and this is on us also, is like, there's just a lot of complicated names that I can't retain in my brain to often remember them, certainly. Mm -hmm. But I remember all their faces. So like, as I'm watching, I would like, by the end, I was able to put it together. But like you, I think I would also benefit from another viewing, Mm -hmm. um, a viewing of this. And uh, like you, man, I, I... had a really great time watching this movie because I love okay. movies like this where people no matter what are screaming at each other. Again, another mm-hmm. cultural touch. Um, but yeah. this is a part of what I love about uh uh Seijin Suzuki's new wave movies and yeah. and uh even just like the old even Kurosawa or Akamoto, you know samurai flicks just how people just scream at each other all the time i (laughs) absolutely love the cadence of the japanese language and how people scream so you're getting that in spades here uh but Mm -hmm. also like just that ultra violence for this story was so fitting to me um, mm-hmm. because I don't like gratuitous violence just for the sake of violence, unless it's meant to be like hilarious, you know, then it's like, right. I might be able to enjoy that. Like something like dead alive, the Peter Jackson movie or, or, yeah, um, absolutely. some of the like Italian horror movies that you've brought up or, you know, Bava or something like that shit's like hilarious to me. Yeah, um, uh, but, awesome. uh, but yeah, man, I, I, I ultimately like the movie. I, it, I, Unfortunately, you know, when it comes to like ratings and stuff, I couldn't give it high enough because I feel like I just need to watch this more and 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 I want to yeah. watch the whole Yakuza Papers series at some point. Um yeah. and maybe that would also give me some more context. I don't think you necessarily need to see the others to understand the first, but I'm afraid that I would have to see the first to understand the others if that makes oh, sense. Oh, absolutely. Um yeah. so uh, yeah, but overall, I I would strongly encourage people to check it out if you're if you're interested in in Japanese uh, if you're interested in gangster films and you like Japanese cinema, check it out. It's available on yeah. Amazon for free. If you have a prime account, otherwise you can yeah. rent it for super cheap. And, uh, if you see it, uh, or if you have seen it and agree or disagree, go check us out on social media at medium cool pod and, uh, let us know your thoughts. Uh, I don't want to rush you, Joe, Are there any last no. points you want to make before we hop over to battle Royale.
1: No, that, yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. Um, yeah. And, and I, this is one I would actually love to see, you know, someone who, who has kind of a greater knowledge of the genre, you know, who, you know, who wants to come and jump in and, and talk, uh, give, give their perspectives on it because it, it was a, it really was a fascinating movie and, you know, I, and like you said, it's available if you have prime for free, certainly if, you know, if you have any interest in, in Quentin Tarantino and like to, you know, want to see, some of those influences This is a good one to watch Because yeah. it has yeah. a lot of them And you and they're Like you said The musical From the music cues To Kind of some of the I'm I am positive I can't I you know Without Having it in my head You know exactly which one I'm sure in one of his films He's Done an homage To this You know um yeah. To something in this film. He
0: He loves Yakuza movies And Fukusagu has, has done other Yakuza based movies And yeah. other cop movies He does He likes police movies But they're always these like anti cop movies, from what I understand. I haven't seen any of them, but I want (laughs) to check them out. And uh, I know Tarantino loves these, and they've been uh, there's one called Street Mobster, for example, that I know he's a huge fan of. And if I had to guess, the scene with. Oren Ishii, whenever she's talking to her Yakuza people, right before she yeah. cuts that homie's uh, head off, you know, in yeah. Kill Bill Volume 1, I can't imagine something like that not being inspired by, if not this specific movie, I mean, these Fukusaku yeah. movies, because it feels very much like a Fukusaku scene, and yeah, uh, dude, I'm so glad you brought Tarantino up again, because if you look up influences on Kill Bill, or, or um, you know, uh, just like Tarantino influences, Fukusaku's gonna come up multiple movies, so if you Absolutely. like Tarantino, these movies are not like a Tarantino movie. That is a different right. thing, okay? Yeah. You're not about to see Kill Bill from the 70s. However, yeah. you'll be able to see kind of that through line that led to what Tarantino does. But uh yeah, I I, I strongly encourage you to check it out and and you know, kind of get your own opinion on Letterboxd. People generally love this movie. Uh this yeah. is like yeah. very highly rated and I totally get it and I back that up. Um, yeah, I just yeah, don't feel like I can comfortably go any higher than my rating was until I see it again, um, yeah. and I will watch it again. I'll probably wait till my buddy Riley can come visit me after the pandemic. We'll probably knock yeah. out the whole thing. <laughs> this movie's only like ninety six <laughs> minutes long, too. It's not yes, very long. Yeah. Um, yeah. I actually think it could have benefited from being longer to be able to maybe uh-huh. develop. Some of yeah, the, yeah, the just ties, down been, a little bit. Exactly. Yeah. And and I think my only criticism really of the movie is just the development. I wish they could have, instead of trying to get in the realism, just yeah. take a little more time to develop and help us understand who these people are yeah. and uh and dig in. But you know what? Maybe on another viewing that will change. I'm not exactly sure. But as I said, check us out on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at MediumCoolPod and uh, let us know what you think of Fukusaku's Battles Without Honor and Humanity. Um, Joe and I are going to take a very, very short break, and we are going to talk about another Fukusaku classic, probably is most well-known, and definitely the one that has penetrated into pop culture globally, and that is Battle Royale from the year 2000. Let's take a break. All right. All right Joe, the moment we've been waiting for, we're gonna talk about Kinji Fukusaku's 2000 film and his final completed film, Battle Royale. There is a sequel to this. Battle Royale 2 came out in 2003. Um, Kinji Fukusaku started working on it um, and his son Kenta Fukusaku, who wrote both movies, but uh, he ended up finishing uh, Kinji's son ended up finishing Battle Royale 2. Battle Royale Two is really no bueno, okay. However, um, I want you to see it sometime if you can, yeah. because here here's my problem with Battle Royale Two. Just to get this out of the way right up front, it starts off, and instead of it being them put on this island to kill each other, the government changes their way of thinking because of the uh, because of how the first one uh, ends. And ultimately says, you know what? When we have world threats, we're going to send our youth to the front lines. And then whoever survives, like, war, like, real threats. So there's, like, this Nor- Battle of Normandy, like, uh, oh, wow. like beach sequence, you know? Yeah. <laughs> which is pretty cool. But, man, is that movie campy, dude. I, I Now, I haven't <laughs> seen it in a long time. But I just remember being so cheesy. And you don't have someone, like, beat Takashi, which... Uh, Kiteshi Kitano is the teacher. Okay. And he okay. was a part of a comedy group called the two beats. And so when I say beat Takashi, that is Takashi Kitano. Um, yeah. <clears throat> but, um, beat Katashi is, is, uh, a veteran in film, the teacher. Okay. I'm already getting too far into it, but the point is he's not in the second one. I'll just say it that way. Okay. <laughs> okay. He's not in the second one. And whoever takes his place, essentially, I don't like that guy. <laughs> okay. Oh, okay. That's okay. really what I'm yeah. getting at. So you just took a veteran whom we'll talk about in a m- few moments, and I don't know. But I want you to see it. I know I'm not really selling it very well. <laughs>
1: no, it sounds like something but, I want to see. Yeah, yeah. It,
0: but it's it's interesting, and it's just something you should see if you like this one. But we'll, we'll get to that in a moment. This is Battle Royale from the year 2000, directed by, of course, Kenji Fukusaku, as we continue to celebrate in, mem- uh, in memory... Uh, his, his career, because he died today uh, back in 2003, so 17, 18 years ago now. Um, yeah. Basically, Battle Royale, uh, the synopsis is pretty simple, uh, and it will sound familiar to some of you Suzanne Collins f- uh, fans. Uh, the story to Battle Royale is essentially the, the Japanese government Uh, has uh, basically lost all control over the uh, teenagers and and the children, the youth uh, of their country. And the parents don't know what to do. No one's going to school. No one gives a shit. So basically the parents give the government the okay to select one middle school classroom. So a classroom of people um, every year, just one. Out of all of the schools in all of Japan, they choose mm-hmm. one. And that group is taken on a quote-unquote field trip where they're essentially gassed. They have uh, necklaces put around their neck, and they are uh, that will explode if they don't follow the rules. And then they are taken to an, a deserted island where they all have to kill one another, friends, foes alike, until there is one person standing. And that one person standing gets to go home and be traumatized for the rest of their lives. Yeah. So... That's pretty much the thing. If this sounds like The Hunger Games to you, it does to me as well, and we might talk yeah. about that later. So, <laughs> um, but this came out before Suzanne Collins had that idea, and um, I'm the, sure
1: that she just—I'm sure it's just a complete coincidence. She, well, she I actually—I actually, I actually
0: did the research. <laughs> And found out what Susan Collins cites as her inspiration, but we'll get there. That's in my general thoughts at the end. All right. Um, but at any point, we can get into it though. So the budget was 4.5 million. I don't know what the budget of Battles Without uh, Honor and Humanity was. I didn't have any of that information uh, that I found. But uh, Battle Royale, the budget was 4.5 million. Uh, worldwide box office was 30.6 million. So huge success, especially for Japan. So even in America we make hundreds of millions of dollars at this point for our big smash hits. This was a smash hit that year, okay? Yeah. Um big big hit. So uh yeah, this this was this was good. So historically with Battle Royale, just real quick, this was based on a manga novel of the same name which is a whopping 666 pages, good which God. I think is a hilarious number, 666. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but yeah, it's a, it's a really long, like graphic novel. Basically. Um, I have it actually, I've just never read it. It is extremely graphic, extremely violent and extremely intense. Um, just flipping through it. I can pick up on that. It is vastly more graphic than the movie. Um, and, uh, yeah, and it gets way more into each of the student. The reason it's so long is it gets into each of the students' backstories and uh, like like the student that goes on, uh, I think her name's like Chahuga or something. I'd have to look it up. Yeah. Uh, but the one that becomes Gogo and Kill Bill, that actress, yeah. her character uh-huh. in the comic or in the manga, she's like molested as a child. I mean, it's dark, man, and it's yeah, it's yeah. really intense. There's like nudity in it. It's a bizarre yeah. bizarre novel, but it was and,
1: and that. That, I think, is alluded to in the film. Yes, for sure. It's done very quickly, yeah.
0: Yes, yes. But, yeah, it's something to easily overlook, right? But the comic really takes its time with these characters. Um, But I I, I think the comic and the movie have a place in their own, but we'll get there. So, anyways, um, uh, yeah, so... The movie's not quite as intense as the manga, but as far as film goes, uh, it's pretty up there. the The film was labeled crude and tasteless by members of the National Diet. The National Diet in Japan is like our Congress, so they have like a House of Representatives, and they, you know, mm-hmm. it's called the National Diet. I don't know why, um, but uh, by the National Diet and other government officials, the film was labeled crude and tasteless. The film created a debate over government action on media violence. And at one point, director Kinji Fukusaku gave a press statement, I love this. directed at age the age group of the film's characters so around middle school to high school, mm-hmm. 15 years old. Um, and and <laughs> he gives this press statement he says, you can sneak in and I also encourage you to do so because <laughs> the the government didn't want teens to see this movie because it's so violent. And Kinji yeah. Fukusaku, this old motherfucker at this point, by the way, he's super yeah. old. He's three years away from dying, unfortunately. Uh, but he's just like, yeah, who fucking cares? Just like come in and watch this movie. Now this yeah. is the same guy that grew up during world war two was cleaning up dead bodies. And you know, I mean, he's mm-hmm. truly seen firsthand the horrors of war and he's sitting here encouraging all these kids who did not have that experience um, to come check it out. What what a
1: guy! Um, yeah. So the well, Japanese and there's and there well and I want to point out too. There's no fewer than I think there's two at least to that effect before the film starts. There's a whole um, there's a whole thing. It's about twenty seconds long at the very beginning, saying this film is not suitable for. I think it's a... Children under fifteen, or something, yeah. And then, and then once the film, it's you know, it's it's like a black screen with just a bunch of text, right? And you know, and we get subtitles, and you know, and it and it's and I think there's maybe is a voice, like a re- voice. Yeah, reading. it's a voiceover. Yeah, yeah. it's a yeah.
0: government. It's a government issued thing. So essentially, yeah, yeah. the distribution company, the production company. I mean, Toei, or I don't know how to say yeah. the. Yeah, I don't know how, yeah. how to say the name, but Toei and uh the government essentially forces them to sure. give it a R15 plus rating which is what their yes. rating system is but go ahead
1: yeah. but yeah but but then once the the opening credits start you see that again they they show that rating again before it actually starts so i was like wow that was you know i it just i mean i i knew what i was getting into with this movie but it was kind of surprising to to see those kind of you know multiple yeah. almost warnings i guess yeah well
0: i so i saw the movie before the us releases
1: of this. I'll oh, get okay. I'll
0: get to that story in a minute and they yep. didn't have the first one. They only had the second one. So that's clearly oh. been added <laughs> to like yeah. the later re-release. And and I'll get to that yeah. uh, funny story here in a moment. Uh, but yeah, no that's great. Yeah. I mean they they're really trying to say like this is clearly a parental advisory, hey, don't do this at home. <laughs> this right. is yeah. really dark. Um the Japanese reaction to the film in the early 2000s has been compared to that of the British outrage over clockwork orange in the early seventies. Um, and uh, as it's also been compared to something like Sam Paul's straw dogs, which was also hugely controversial. Um, yeah. Japan at the very least, the powers that be in Japan uh, were, were not fans of this for 11 years. The film was never officially released in the United States or Canada, except for screenings at various film festivals Now, you have to remember, um, Columbine was just a few years prior to this film. So we were on high alert with uh, violence in media and how that affects our children. And, uh, you know, U.S. test audiences were overwhelmingly negative on the film. I mean, they thought it was just like gratuitous and and, uh, just awful. Again, this is coming out of like a post-Columbine culture. The Japanese yeah. rights holders also didn't want to give America the distribution. I mean, there were times where they probably had opportunities and it was mutually beneficial. Uh, but mm. the like, I don't know if it was Toy or whoever, but the, whoever had the, the rights holders, whoever that was, uh, refused to have it in America because they were afraid that it would have such negative publicity. It would just cause like this huge outrage over the film. Um, yeah. And so the, the film was banned in several countries. Um, uh, including, you know, places like South Korea. I want to say for a little bit, I could be wrong. I, I want to say it was in the UK, but I might have the wrong place. I don't have a list in front of me of all the places, but there were a bunch of countries that banned it. People say that it was banned in the U S it was less banned and more. They couldn't come to an agreement on the distribution. And that's really what it was. Yeah. But by, you know, for all intents and purposes, it really was kind of just banned from being here. Um, yeah. And so this was just my whole point in bringing this up is this was just a really controversial uh, mm-hmm. film here. And so the funny story is um, in probably 2005, if I had to guess or something, maybe 2004, some, some around that time, um, mm-hmm. I bought a bootleg Korean box set of the two oh. uh, Battle Royale films. At a Hot Topic in Indianapolis, (laughs) okay? (laughs) Now, how how Hot Topic in Indianapolis had bootleg Korean box set copies of this movie on DVD, I have no idea. But that's how I first saw it. And I was just telling you before we started recording, uh, Joe, I I don't remember the first time I saw this. But it was around that time. I had already heard about this movie. I would already heard about how crazy it was. I was dying to see it. I finally, randomly, dude, we just went into this hot topic in Indianapolis and behind the register on the wall, I see a, um, I just saw the BR, like the symbol with the circle around it because it was in, I don't think it was in English all the way even, like on the cover, but I recognized that symbol. I was like, what is that? And they were like, oh, that's Battle Royale. I'm like, give me that now. For like 30 (laughs) bucks, I bought this movie or whatever. Buying it. (laughs) I, I honestly don't know how, they had that. How that was legal, I don't know what was going on. So I'm sorry that I just added you, Hot Topic. Uh, no. But also, sorry, not sorry. Um, yeah, right. So uh, that was how I first saw the film. And um, I'm pretty sure, I can't remember if it had both versions, but I'm pretty sure it was just the director's cut and the second movie. Okay. This time around, I watched the theatrical version because I've seen the director's cut so many times. It doesn't matter. Yeah. And it is noticeably different. However, I might like the theatrical version more. We'll see. Funny enough, the theatrical version is actually, from what I've read, Fukusaku's desired version. But people love this movie so much. The people, at least that did love it, wanted so much that they made a director's cut that basically just added eight minutes that they had of the movie. That Fukusaku ultimately was just like, I guess I'll give it to you. (laughs) It was like to appease the fans, you know? Um, So that's kind of a rarity where the director's cut's really kind of the theatrical cut. But then they put out like an extended edition is basically what it is. Yeah. Um, but I've seen both, um, and I, much like I feel about Apocalypse Now, I like the theatrical cut. I feel like it's a little tighter, um, mm-hmm. but we'll get there. Anyways, accolades real quick. Um, it was nominated for nine awards, and it won five of them, including the Japanese Academy's Award for Best Editing. Um, also, New- Best Newcomer of the Year, which uh, two of the actors from the film won, and then Most Popular Film and then uh, at the Blue Ribbon Awards, it won the Blue Ribbon for Best Film and Best New Actor. All of these are Japanese film awards. Uh, oh. Quentin Tarantino names Battle Royale his favorite film since he'd been making movies. This was in 2009, so it was 17 or so years. Um, this was his favorite movie. This, of course, is where he found uh, Chaiki Kuriyama, which is the character that plays Gogo in Kill Bill. She, uh, she also oh. plays... Uh, Let me find her name on here. I had it written down, but um, uh, uh, Chigusa. That's what it is. Chigusa. She plays Chigusa. She stabs a guy in the crotch in this movie, and she does in Kill Bill also, which is where Tarantino got that. Uh, If you like Tarantino's Kill Bill, let me just say this. Um, Tarantino was certainly 100% influenced by this movie. And you should definitely check this out, even if only to see uh, Go-Go as Chigusa here um, and see the similarities there. Uh, This is for nerds who like little Easter egg things like that. So uh, either way, he has noted on multiple occasions, this is Tarantino, uh, that uh, this is one of his favorite films ever. Um, So whether that was hyperbole or not, because he names a lot of movies as his favorite um but whether this was hyperbole or not uh, this is a classic going back to his love for Fukusaku so uh, it has influenced general pop culture uh one by influencing many films including American films like the beloved Stone Cold Steve Austin uh the condemned um that vehicle and um yeah, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. It's a piece of shit, but uh, have <laughs> taken um, it, those movies. Have, there, And there have been a lot of movies that have kind of taken this premise. Sure, um, absolutely. And, and because it's just, I mean, it's perfect, and you can tweak it a little bit and make it fit. Of course, The Condemned, America didn't want to use... Okay, quick thing that I remember reading back then, so please don't quote me on this. But my understanding was there were articles about having a Battle Royale remake, an American remake. And in my yeah. mind, I'm like, fuck you. That's never going yeah. to happen. They'll right. never, ever do that. You cannot have children killing each other in America, especially after yeah. all the shootings we've had. It's never going to happen. And so right. then later on, I find out the movie that's supposed to be this remake was actually The Condemned uh, <laughs> when I saw it because I heard the I heard the plot of it. And then I went and researched it a bit and people were drawing those parallels. and uh, And that makes a lot more sense because it's, convicted felons going yes. to like the last person that you know lives yeah. kind of wins or whatever and so it's like of course america does that right <laughs> like
1: we, yeah uh, Yeah, of course You're we're okay going, with
0: that yeah we're, yeah we're perfectly fine with with uh convicted felons killing each other so anyways uh many movies have kind of taken the premise or like taken ideas from the premise and kind of tweaked it a bit uh probably most notably even if it's an indirect uh, influence is the Hunger Games, clearly. Um, yeah. And then uh, the other thing is, and this is for video game nerds, um, mm-hmm. many online PvP competitive games. So that would be like Call of Duty. When you get online, you play your friends. There is a yeah. mode called the Battle Royale mode. Battle Royale mode is every man for himself. You go into a room and you kill everybody in the room and then you win, right? Like yeah. everyone's against them. This film, I learned, is responsible for that. The guy who kind of created this Battle Royale online thing in Japan. Now, I, yeah. I, I didn't do extensive research on this, so I'm I'm waiting for a listener to be like, no, let me tell you who really did this. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe maybe there is it. someone no. else has... Uh, yeah, do it. I don't care. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I would love to learn the truth. But um, from what I've learned, though, uh, the guy who was creating these things called a Battle Royale, not because of... The Hunger Games, which some people thought, but it, he has directly hearkened it back to Fukusaku's Battle Royale. So, uh, talking about pop culture, online PvP gaming, which is person versus person, you know, like online PvP gaming is huge in America right now. And um, we can think those Battle Royale modes for this movie uh that's that's a whole lot of accolades in history i really love this movie um i want to talk about the hunger games comparison just because that's like that was the hot topic thing in like Mm -hmm. 2012 not the same hot topic i talked about earlier but that was like the buzz (laughs) right right? the big buzz Uh argument uh we'll talk about that later so hold on to that but joe i want you to start you had never seen battle royale before never seen it your first viewing
1: go Uh yeah um Yeah. Damn. You know, it's, it's fantastic. (laughs) You know, the, um, the, that aspect of it being children killing each other is a little disturbing at first, but these are high schoolers, you know, they're, I mean, they're, they're ninth graders, but they, you know, they only, you know, they, they feel like as you get along going along in the movie, they feel like, you know, your typical like teen comedy, type you know type characters they don't they don't look like they're 12 years old you know there's, there's always someone in ninth grade who looks 12 years old right there's and there's you know there's a few people who look like they're you know 20 and then there's some people that like they're 12
0: <laughs> yeah this here is definitely, they all pretty much this yeah. is definitely a 90210 issue uh where- <laughs> yeah
1: <laughs> right yeah they here they you know once the the film starts you you just feel like they're random you know the random movie characters uh who are of a you know vague youngish age but you know they could be 19 20 years old um so it's it it doesn't bother me in that sense that much uh just to be honest i i kind of look through it and and see that um there is a a girl the at the very beginning they have uh, they show a girl who had won a, I think she'd won a previous version. Mm-hmm. and she looked like she was more like twelve or thirteen. And she was meant to be like this kind of devilish, you know, almost evil looking entity. you know, when you see her, she's got this like almost creepy granite. It reminded me of a uh, cabin in the woods. the um if you if you guys have seen that movie where there's a a, a scene where there's a Japanese classroom. Where the the girls are, this classroom of students is being murdered, and and there's just kind of just this creepy looking girl at one point there, and uh, it kind of gave me a flashback of that. But anyway, um, yeah, it's it is it's you know thematically similar to the Hunger Games in a lot of ways. It's you know you're a bunch of people or a bunch of young kids are killing each other for sport essentially. Um, there's there's not really a sense of um, the, like the entertainment factor. So it, it's quite a bit different. And, and I know we said we talk about this later, but um, so, you know, I, I kind of want to just jump through and throw that out, that out of the way. It's not a big, it's not, it's not a remake. You know, these, these aren't these, you know, it's not that, it's not sure. like that, but this is a step beyond, you know, in terms of it's, it's incredibly violent. Um, There are, there are little things I've seen the, you know, the explosive necklace you know, gag was done in what the running man. Um, there's a movie I saw called deadlock years ago with Rutger Hauer that kind of uses that one too. Um, you know, that, that's been done before also, but you know, here it, it feels a little, it feels a little fresher just because of the, the, I guess the, the overall kind of the overall plot of the movie. Um, the creepiest thing to me, you know, you mentioned the teacher character, um, uh uh, would you say uh, takashi katano he is yeah yeah. yeah, he was and i don't want to there's a there's a bit at the end with him that i really love that i don't know if i want to spoil it so i'm not going to go into detail on what it is but kind of the very end don't um, talk
0: about the phone call that's what you're talking about don't talk yeah
1: yeah yeah it was it was incredible um and and it kind of made me stop and question the whole movie for a second but um but anyway, he is to me kind of the most more consistently the, the creepiest because he is a, a teacher, you know, you see it at a kind of a prologue. He's the teacher who had been the victim of these kids, right? These these exact kids. When they were one in seventh kids, grade. Yeah. Yeah. He he gets uh he gets cut, he gets a, a you know, a bad slight you know, bad gash in the back of his leg from a student. And um one of the other students picks that knife up and keeps it, and it becomes kind of a minor plot point later on in the film but he comes back i guess essentially to take his revenge more or less on them and this is kind of the impetus of it they get you know this ninth grade class gets pulled in and he is the one who is announcing all this to them um telling them the rules and there's a really hilarious video that they watch that um, kind of explains what the rules are (laughs) and (laughs)
0: <laughs> okay, hold, hold on one second. I, I want to I run us through this real quick, if you don't mind, because yeah, yeah. you're touching on so many good moments that I want to make sure people have a visual of, even though yeah. they can go see it. But first yes. off, the opening scene, I want to go back to just real quick. Uh-huh. You see all of these news crews freaking out. It's like this faux news moment, as if yes. you're watching it uh, on the yeah. news or whatever. and like they, Robocop or something, maybe. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And they, they, they cut to this young lady, and they're trying to zoom in and see her face. Now she's in a a schoolgirl's uniform holding a little stuffed bear, blood <laughs> yes. on her face, mm-hmm. stoic. And then eventually yeah. this creepy smile where you she reveals her braces which gives her also that youthful look. Yes. Uh, this very evil looking smile. Like she's yeah. come out of this and it has like mm-hmm. traumatized her to evil, right? Um, yeah. So, that already, by the way, is a criticism uh, mm. <laughs> of, I would argue, the <laughs> Japanese government, but we'll get there. Sure. So, um, but the other thing though, why possibly my favorite scene of the entire film?
1: Mm.
0: When I rewatched this yesterday,
1: mm.
0: I was laughing so hard at the scene where Katashi Kitano comes in. Mm-hmm. Uh, as the teacher. And he's actually, his name is Katano in the movie as well as the teacher. Yeah. So uh, Katano comes in. Uh, he, I believe at this point he's already murdered one of the students because they were talking. Or no, 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 not yes. yet. Not yet, but he does during this oh, video. Yeah, yeah. He throws a knife in her brain. But uh, And that that's just a little a morsel. There you go. You can take that for what right. it's worth. But anyways, so in order to explain what's happening, they play this video. <laughs> this is the greatest bit of comedy cinema (laughs) Uh, like I adore this so much because it Uh. plays on kind of like the stereotypes of like Japanese kind of like cuteness and hypeness Uh, so like you have this woman who's like like scantily clad but it's all like army camo and she's so (laughs) lively and she's just like you know and just like super 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 like You know, peace Mm -hmm. signs and just the most cliche anime character and the whole everyone looks like an anime character in this. Everyone, especially the two um, uh, students that are brought in outside the classroom. I forget what they're called. (laughs) Yes, they They look identical straight out of a fucking anime. Right. Which I love. About uh, yeah. this movie. But anyways, so uh Katano's like watching this video with me, just like plops up on this desk, very nonchalant, almost like kid like just sits on the yeah. desk and they're watching this video. And it looks like the opening to some video game or something like it's very strange. Um, and they're explaining all the rules there. Now, what I love about this, first off, just as a viewer, is these kids have no idea what's going on. So they're learning this firsthand along with us. So all of their questions might be questions that we have, right? Really great bit of storytelling there to help the viewers kind of orient themselves to what's happening. Because in the theatrical version, this comes way faster. And part of the eight minutes that are added are at the very, very end. There are like three, quote unquote, requiems that like expand on certain parts, which are not in this version. And then there are um, at the beginning there are more scenes I believe if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so I felt like the theatrical version just got straight to the island like that's like okay. pretty much. But I actually appreciated that I liked that. So
1: anyways, I, I, so I okay I want I want to go ahead and say sorry to interrupt you here, but um, I I must have watched that extended version then because I the requiems were in the the version that I watched, and I have a little I have a little story that I'll tell you about you know, how I watched, but, oh, uh, but absolutely. We should definitely yeah, get right.
0: there. I didn't watch those yeah. again, but I've seen them so many, I've seen this movie so many oh. times. Um, I'm sure I'll remember. Um, but uh, yeah, so basically they watch this video in the middle of it. One, like I already said, one young lady's talking to someone else and Katana literally just like pulls a blade out and throws it at her. This is the yeah. moment where all the kids know this shit's real. Cause none of them You're are right. believing it. Right. Yeah. They all yeah. scream oh. and freak out. Very anime. Like it's awesome. But the point is this though. There's a point where I my favorite part, dude, is when the video starts and the young the woman on the screen's just like "Konnichiwa," like really happy, yeah. and Katano in the classroom sitting on the desk goes "Konnichiwa," like, <laughs> like, yeah. like he's responding yeah. to her in the video. Yes. That is comedy gold to me. I mean, you know, what's funny is uh Takeshi Katano was a part of the 2 Beats a comedy group. He was this. he was the uh the Jerry Lewis of the two he was the silly one but as he's gotten older he's become very much a deadpan actor he's also not in comedies as much I mean he's a director of yakuza movies uh like 90s and 2000s and even 2010's yakuza movies and he's like a mob boss type guy so um he's just I mean if if anybody listening or Joe if you guys have never seen this guy in anything go watch him in some movies he rules I love this guy. But anyways, that scene, just to go getting back to what you were saying, Joe, uh, that scene of the rules and the description and this video that is like this informational, uh, it's like an infomercial for people about to die, basically. I mean, she just so nonchalantly talks about, you know, these necklaces that are going to blow up, you know, and she's just like, so make sure you stay in the right place or it will go And then everyone goes, like, they all, like, gasp really deeply, you know, and, like, freak out. I mean, it's just, it's so cutesy, um, juxtaposed with the horror of what's happening, that it's just, it's just perfect dark comedy, man. But go ahead.
1: Yeah, 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 no, yeah, it it is, it's, it's, um, yeah, it is, it is amazing. (laughs) Um, Oh, oh, just one thing. Uh, at At the outset, they mention that the country is in chaos as well because there's 15% unemployment. Yeah. Which I'm like, what's the unemployment right here, right now? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or, if not we're sure not there right but, at the moment. Yeah. But if, if we're but, not there, we're getting there. Right. Yeah. there. They're, I think it, I'm pretty sure we hit 15% at some point. I thought so. I'm going to look year. it up while you're talking. Yeah. But, um, but anyway, yeah, the, yeah, that's, that's a tremendous moment. And, um, and I believe those necklace, the necklaces. We get the um, uh, the demonstration of that. I don't remember if it's right then that someone's blows up, or it, it just we see it at a different point. But um, it's after
0: the video, or or, or or right before the final sequence. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. And and it's it's honestly it's a little different than I thought. The way it it incorporates blood, I thought it would just you know go bo- if you know if you remember the Running Man a guy takes off, I, I wanna say it's Yafit Kato's character takes off or somebody takes off and, and they cross that that line and then their head just explodes. I thought it'd be something like that, but it's it's more blood spray than than that. It's like, a, it's a smaller boom that, you know, causes blood. <laughs> so I was like, oh, that was interesting. It was, you know, and it, it distinguished it a little bit, but, um, but at that point, everyone is given a bag with some survival gear and their weapon of choice. Well, not their weapon of choice, the weapon that's been chosen for them.
0: Yeah. A a tool or a weapon or something. Yeah.
1: yeah, Which, which they mentioned, some of them are good and some of them maybe not so good. So, you know, it's, it's, and it's a bit of comedy to even see what they actually get, you know? (laughs) I mean, it's,
0: it's awesome that someone gets like a pot lid. Which yes. could be like a shield, right? Like a pot yeah, lid, uh-huh. and then someone else gets a fucking crossbow.
1: You know? Yeah, yeah. And then the, the one girl gets binoculars.
0: Yeah, binoculars. Someone yeah. gets like a um uh like a scythe or something. Like not a big one, yeah. but like I don't know what the smaller ones are called. But it's like oh, a, yeah. like a hook blade, basically. Um, I mean, yeah. it's. Some, yeah, some people get fully on it, like an Uzi or something. Yeah, like yeah,
1: that. yeah, yeah. There's one guy. Yeah, the the one, the one kid. The we, most and anime out, character. Yeah. And, and we should point out those two. I don't think you mentioned it yet, but those two guys are, there's these two guys who are there by choice, who volunteered. They're not in the class. They volunteered to be part of this, you know, part of this game, I guess. Yeah. And, and you see them and you're like, yeah. And as you said, yeah, I didn't, I hadn't thought about it, but yeah, they're, they're anime characters come to life down to their, down to the dress, their hairstyle and everything. Absolutely. Um, and it's, and it's tremendous. And, and of course I believe they each have pretty strong with the one has, you know, the has automatic gun. There's a, there's one guy. <laughs> I think that's a shotgun, you know, well, and, well the
0: guy with the shotgun, when he first gets a bag, he clearly uh-huh. gets something he's not happy with because as the right. super anime guy goes up to get his uh-huh. bag, the other uh-huh. gentleman who later has a shotgun, like walks yeah. in and goes, this isn't my bag. And he just like throws a bag at someone. Yeah. And he just takes yeah, another one and leaves and Kitano's yeah. just cracks up. Like he doesn't give a yeah. fuck.
1: Well, and, <laughs> yeah. and the reason for it was that the girl before him got her back. They, you know, they, they call your number and as you're running, the guy literally throws it at your face, you know? And so this girl catches her bag and then throws it back at, at Kitano. So he hands it back to the guy who's throwing. So he, He actually did get her bag. Yeah. Yeah. Which is why he comes back. And I yeah. And I I'm not positive, you know, just from you know, from there, whether it's implied that he actually looked in it or if he was just like being arrogant about this isn't my bag. Yeah. That one's my bag, you know. So it it was it was pretty hilarious that you know that they did that. Cause I because I thought about that when as soon as she throws it back at him, she walks out without getting a bag. Yeah. And I'm like, first of all, well, that's pretty dumb, but yeah, you know,
0: well, she refuses then, uh, to kill people like her friends or whatever. And I get it, but I'd still yeah. take the damn bag. I mean, come on,
1: right? Yeah, <laughs> it's still gonna have food or whatever, you know? Yeah, but um, but of course, you know, it's this is a intense situation. Yeah, <laughs> who knows how any of us would react? And they they yeah. all have
0: seen two people die already. Um, yes. And to go back real quick, the guy who gets his neck blown up is the guy who slashed his leg two years earlier. I don't know if you put that okay, together. Yeah. And Yeah, no, and, I didn't notice that. Yeah. Um, and he's uh, the best friend of our protagonist. And uh, so, yeah. uh, uh, Nanahara, that's his name. And uh-huh. so, um, you know, that's like a, a, a developmental moment of, of Nanahara. Mm-hmm. It's more for Nanahara than the other character. Uh, but that yeah. scene's really intense because when it, when, yeah, when that neck necklace blows up and you get that blood spatter, like that classic yeah. anime spray mm. and the way yeah. that that actor just like moves his body. So it's just gets everybody sprayed. <laughs> you
1: know? yes. it, it is. It's, it's very much like a kill bill moment where yes, yeah, it's spraying on people and they're like, Oh, you know, so there's that, that just that little touch of comedy in the horror, but yeah,
0: absolutely. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, so yeah, so basically, they all run outside, and and we're in gear from here, right? We're in motion, with what's you know the film is from here on. It's you know, yeah, chasing I, each other and murdering each other.
0: Yeah, yeah, or trying to form alliances and shit goes yes. wrong. And I mean, I mean, it's it's everything you can think of uh, is gonna happen. I mean, you have you have the tech nerds who are trying to instead of kill people, they're trying to come up with a solution on how to get out of these. Uh, necklaces Mm -hmm. via technology you have uh the super anime guy (laughs) the bad i'm gonna call him the bad guy um, and then Uh the shotgun guy those are gonna be my two names but um the super anime guy is basically just killing people and just hoarding weapons like just getting as many weapons as he can same with the shotgun guy um but still those two who volunteered to be there uh know Mm -hmm. what they're doing mostly um yeah and Uh, I mean, you have you have character. I mean, this movie's dealing with a lot. You know, whenever we watched 18 to Party, we asked Jeff about, like, how did he deal with child suicide and stuff? And despite Mm -hmm. the fact that this movie is a dark comedy, I would say, um, you know, it's I mean, dude, kids are killing themselves to get out of this, Uh, you know. And but the thing is, also, you can't avoid it throwing back to Battles Without Honor and Humanity whenever someone dies in that movie, it has the little subtitle thing that says, so-and-so died on this day, right? Um, I love that they bring this back. And I haven't seen enough Uh Fukasaku movies like this to know if he does this in others. But they do Mm. the same thing in Battle Royale. They help you keep track of everyone who's dying. But it's way easier to follow for me, and I don't know why. But it's like, um, you know, someone dies, and then it will say at the top of the screen however many people died, this many people died, there are this many more people left. You know, 41 yeah. to go, or 33 to go, or whatever. And then at the beginning And, and then
1: when of, they do it, I'll say when, then when they do it, almost immediately after, they make an announcement in the context of the film, so that all the other characters who are out there know what's going on well, too. So they do so that each twice, morning. Yeah. yeah,
0: so it's yeah, not even yeah. right after, it's each morning yeah, yeah. where he just... Think about this, this is terrifying. I mean, I know that yeah. this is a comic movie, but this moment has always disturbed me. He yeah. just nonchalantly plays like Claire de Lune or something, uh, like yes. this, like classical music. And is just yeah. reading teenagers who have been murdered or who have died. Yes. And it's yeah. so on this huge, li- it reminds me of like a camp or something <laughs> like,
1: where. Yeah, um, but yeah, it's just exactly like these right.
0: huge, huge, um, sp- like not speakers, but these loud, uh, like, um, what do you call those? I don't know why I can't think of, uh, but basically it's just like a, a, this, this huge uh, intercom system or something, you know, yeah. uh-huh. and they can hear it all over the Island. And um, he just is reading off while they're trying to like find something for breakfast or something. You know? yeah. And he's just playing yeah. classical music and nonchalantly reading off who has died. Um, I mean, that's, it's just really dark and I can't stress how much though, like, I find this hilarious,
1: yeah, yeah, and, and, and it's and as you know again, as we mentioned, these are essentially these kids' best friends, maybe that maybe you know some people they don't like in their class, but these are people they interacted with every single day, right and yeah they you know, well and so they the reactions are interesting when you you know that you see throughout.
0: yeah, and with a few people, namely the the main characters, it will flash back to stuff at school where people yes. have been mean to them or bullied them or whatever. Um, and one thing that I love about this that makes it so much funnier. So so just to add some more kind of blatant humor, at least in my view, um, to what sounds like we're just sick fucks talking about, you know, teenagers dying <laughs> right. um, is like right. every character has like a different story. Right. So you have these, yeah. like you have this, uh, these two young ladies that see each other and they're like facing off against each other you know, uh, and and one has a blade and one is a gun. And of course, you know, one of them brought essentially a knife to a gunfight, so she's kind of on the on the retreat a little bit, but she eventually gets the gun back and she's like, I'm basically gonna kill you because you fucked my boyfriend.
1: Yes. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so it's like this like like
0: soap opera level melodrama yeah. from uh-huh. teenagers. But what adds the dark humor is instead of just being catty and fighting or instead of just like talking it out, they have deadly weapons that they yeah. can then take out their anger on <laughs> yeah, these people, yeah. and it is beneficial for them because they might be able to live. Um, I mean, all of that, the school politics are at play. Yeah. All like mm-hmm. all different personality types are at play, and it just really comes together as like this really melodramatic dark comedy. What were we gonna say?
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I was gonna say it. It kind of it kind of smacks of The Purge in that way. You know, the, the purge I'm sure is, has yeah. this film, this film has got to be partly, you know, an inspiration for, for the purge. And, and that, that aspect of it's how it's like that a lot is where, yeah, you, fu- you learn things about the characters, interactions they've had that gives them this motivation to kill each other or justification or, you know, there's a lot with, um, uh, a couple of the, char- I, I think it's not, I think it's Nanahara is one of them that is, um, the you know some of the girls like they have crushes on some of the boys and vice <laughs> yeah. versa, and and so there's these fights over that, and there's a terrific scene, with um where someone and I don't even remember which of the characters it is um is injured it may be Nanahara if I I don't remember right, um where he's he's in the other room and he's you know they've got these girls have him bandaged up yeah a couple of them have a, a crush on him, and this one girl's weapon that she was given was poison, and so they're making him food and she poisons this food. And then one of these other girls in this, it's this total teenage girl show off moment jumps in and is like, Oh, look, here's the cute boy's food. I'm going to have a bite of it. And she has a bite and she like instantly is like spitting up blood. Yeah. And, and then one of the other girls gets, who's got a gun gets pissed. And she's like, which one of you did this? This is poison. And the girl who actually did it kind of slinks back into the, You know, she's underneath the sink. Yeah. Yeah. While they, while they kill each other (laughs) when she's the one who's done this. And it's, it's the, the girl, the, this is like, for me, a, it, it kind of hit close to home with like, you know, when you're, when you're, you know, 15, 16 years old and seeing a girl who is just very carelessly showing off that was that moment for that one girl. <laughs> yeah. And she's like, Oh look, here's his food. Look, I'm going to have a bite. And she takes a bite, you know, and the, and the girl who's poisoned it kind of, you know, does one of those like, uh, uh and then she just kind of stops. and's like slinks you know, back. Do yep. do? Yeah. And
0: that scene also, despite like, I mean, what a brilliantly, uh, blocked scene in my view. I yes. love how that whole thing's put together, but that is one of the most Tarantino scenes in my opinion. Of the whole thing. It feels like I can just imagine Mm -hmm. him watching it and being like, I'm going to use this in all of my movies now. You know, this moment where everyone's at some sort of a standoff and they're talking. uh, I mean, think of something like inglorious bastards when they're in the bar. Right. Yeah. And they're, Uh they're like basically uh, trying to (laughs) like get the bar, the guy behind. Um, I'm trying to think of the, the bar. No, no, no. One of the soldiers is hiding behind the bar and yeah. Brad Pitt and the group's trying to come down the stairs and they're trying to oh. talk about him putting his gun down. Just <laughs> just just the structure on paper is what I'm getting at. Not exact scenes, yeah. but that type right. of writing structure really does uh is slightly like loosely reminiscent of this this uh scene. This is probably my second favorite scene. It was the one I was actually looking forward to after that whole introduction of what the battle royale is. Um, after that, I'm like waiting for this lighthouse scene where, uh, he's all bandaged up and these young girls are just like talking about, I mean, it's just, it's just the most middle school dialogue. Like they have the crush on this boy. One of them's making food for him. They're going to have a great time. And then, uh, yeah, just chaos ensues and the poisons gross and she's just like puking up blood and it's just, it's a, it's a big mess. It's great, man
1: yeah the the other one the other scene I wanted to um, touch on um was the there's a there's a scene that and it I think it's it probably is a takeoff on western a western trope more than anything where I believe it's the the anime guy the the machine gun guy is fighting it out with this girl who is I don't know she's trying to protect the guy that she's in love with or something. She's. She, it's supposed to be this big character moment for her, where she's gonna. She's finally fighting back against someone, like fighting back against the bully, or she's protecting someone. I. I don't remember even the whole context of it, but instead of her getting her revenge, she is just completely mowed down by this guy. Like it, it's this. It's. It's the moment you've seen a hundred times, right, in a movie where the the girl stands up to, or someone, the weaker character stands up to the bully. And gets, you know, has their moment back, right? Where they, you know, they finally take out the bully. But instead of that, she like she goes, she gets shot and she goes down and she gets back up and she's just determined. And it's it's like very heroic, only for her just to get freaking mowed down completely again. Yeah. And it, it was, it's just so it's really brutal and it and you can see that. I just had this, like, you know, you you get that swell inside of you, like, yeah, 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 and then you're like, oh, wait a minute, yeah. She just, you know, this did not turn out well for her, so yeah, it's a bummer. Yeah, and it and it's just it's a really cool scene. Like I said, the way it kind of it's using that kind of that well worn, you know, you know, come back this personal triumph kind of moment, and just drops it on its head. You know, it it was it was pretty effective to me.
0: Yeah. Back to speaking kind of on what you're talking about, but also like kind of just like tropes and also the melodrama and everything, there's also uh-huh. a scene, I'm going to try to speak a little loosely here, but there's a scene where Chigusa, uh, uh-huh. who is the character that goes on to be Go-Go in Kill Bill. Uh-huh. Excuse me. Uh, Chigusa uh, is injured at one point, and there's this boy that she usually runs with, and he's on a bike whenever they're at home. Yeah. And yeah. she's training, and she's running, and this boy rides a bike alongside her and when they find each other like that's mm-hmm. that's a like it's it's <laughs> so like i'm waiting for them to have like uh, a soft focus on their face or, like it's <laughs> yeah. just the most uh-huh. like cheesy like melodramatic thing but again it's it's like uh i just can't imagine fukusaku not being in on this like this is clearly oh, yeah. like comedy. You know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. um, you know, especially, I mean, again, how much, how much more in on it comedic can you be? Than, right, you fucked my boyfriend one time, I'll kill you. And like chasing yeah. them through a jungle with a knife or something. I mean, uh-huh. it's, it's pretty crazy. Uh, I want you to tell your experience of this, but speaking of Chigusa, um, the stabbing of the crotch, Can you tell me your reaction to that scene and explain it however you want? Uh, But, uh, tell me your reaction to that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That, that was a holy shit. I I think I said, holy shit out loud. Um, and you know, and I was watching that by myself mean, my kids were upstairs, but, um, my kids were all older. I I actually invited my oldest to watch this with me and he declined, but, um, (laughs) not knowing, not knowing very much about, he knew very little about it. Um, but, um, yeah, that scene came and it was uh, you have to remind because I I definitely remember well, that. Like he was they oh they this is where he, the kid was like he's trying to talk her into like you don't want to die a virgin, right? It's one of yeah. those scenes. So I'll and, just I'll just
0: give you a rundown yeah. real fast. Uh basically yeah, yeah. this guy uh has through a series of now dead students acquired the crossbow right because yes. <laughs> we've seen yes. other students with it who have uh, departed mm-hmm. unfortunately so right. um you know after they have expired he has gotten and he finds Tagusa and he has such a crush on her and yeah. this guy's totally a playboy or right? <laughs> like uh-huh. like your right. your grades like your high school playboy or whatever and he's just like come on you're a virgin I know it like Let's just do it. I won't tell anybody like they're going right. to like anyone's going to be alive to know. But, um, right. you know, but he's just like begging her, begging her. And she's just basically like, fuck off. And he's like, right. he basically gets in front of her, holds the crossbow up to her and says, if you don't, I'll kill you. And Chigusa's just yeah. like, do it then. Like, <laughs> like I'm not right. doing it. So you're either going to let me go right now or just shoot uh-huh. me. And of course, he trembles in fear and uh, she chases him. Because yeah. he runs away, though he has the upper yeah. hand. He can't yeah. pull the trigger yeah. on this cute girl. And uh-huh. because she won't have sex with him, it causes this conflict. Right. She chases him. <laughs> and then tell me your reaction to what happens next.
1: Yeah, yeah. She she basically ends up on top of him. And she's got a knife. And she just straight up stabs him in the nuts. Multiple, multiple times. Multiple times, yeah. Like, it was some... um It was some, like, the Raid Redemption shit, you know, in that, (laughs) front. it wasn't like, it's not like you do it once for the comedy of it. This was like, she got in four or five, you know, before she moved on to a different body part. And it was, yeah, it was brutal. Yeah, it is. (laughs) It's, it's,
0: it's uh, another... I, I hesitate in calling it like a favorite moment, but it's a it's a moment seared into my brain. It's like the next yeah, one. Yeah. And of course in Kill Bill, you know, Go Go has a moment in a bar where a guy approaches her and and yes. she's like, Do you want to have sex with me? And he's just like, Yeah. And then she like of course takes like a katana or something and or a knife or whatever and just like right. stabs him right in the crotch. That's definitely yeah. a direct uh response Absolutely. or uh homage to this film, especially with mm-hmm. Tarantino being a huge huge fan but i mean there there are so many more scenes like this that we could talk about there are a few that i don't want to spoil um namely the phone call we'll just call it that Uh, that's one that if you if you've seen it you know exactly what we're talking about and it's great Uh and if you haven't seen it uh then watch it and you will know um Uh but uh let me see here uh i want to quickly if you don't mind um I'll give you a chance to say anything else you want to say in a moment, but I want to take a few minutes to talk about um, the comparisons to the Hunger Games. And the reason I'm bringing this up is not because I give a shit, (laughs) but this was the talking point of 2012. When, when the Hunger Games came out, there were articles defending the Hunger Games as its own thing. There were articles saying it's a ripoff, don't waste your time. I mean, it was all over the place. This was actually, in the film community, a talk, a major talking point of that year. And I followed it closely because I loved Battle Royale. So, yes. uh, you know, once the Hunger Games got popular, I'm sure that the, dist- the rights holders in Japan felt a lot more comfortable with us getting yes. something... Uh, like Battle Royale. So in 2011, we got the new Battle Royale box set that has the director's cut theatrical version and the second movie. And uh, that's what I watched. And um, yeah, I think it was in large part because of the Hunger Games. So to give the Hunger Games and Suzanne Collins a little credit here, we might not have gotten Battle Royale, at least when we did, uh, were Mm -hmm. it not for the Hunger Games.
1: Yeah.
0: But I've read all the books. I have not seen all the movies. I've only seen the first two. Uh, I did not see the last two. Um, I'm assuming you probably did, if I had to guess.
1: No, I've seen... I haven't seen all of them. I saw... I think I saw the first one. I saw the original, and then I think I saw the first Mockingjay movie. I don't even remember if I saw the second one. Yeah, yeah. The last film was two parts, right? Yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. Yeah, and and I I saw them because I'd read the books, and I was watching everything. You know, like yeah. everything that came out in those years, it was like I was trying to yeah. watch all of it. And mm-hmm. I, so I saw the first two in theaters, but I, I never got around to Mockingjay Part uh, 1 and 2. Yeah. But here, here's the thing. So there's a there's an obvious overlap here with The Hunger Games Absolutely. and Battle Royale. You have these young people going into a, uh, a foreign location. Uh, they're mm-hmm. given weapons. Uh, they're mm-hmm. given a few, you know, tools or, or rations or what, like just some supplies or whatever, and then it's like, yeah. hey, survive and mm-hmm. go. Now in Battle Royale, they only have three days, and at the end of three days, yes. if they haven't killed everyone else, all of their necklaces blow up. So that's yeah. the whole point. Um, in the Hunger Games, I don't remember how long they have. I don't remember if it's yeah. just as long as recall. they need, because of course you have that deliberate consumerism. Uh, right. At, aspect of people getting um yeah their yeah, jollies I, off watching people do terrible shit. Yeah um, I think
1: the necklaces wasn't a was not a thing in the Hunger Games, right? No, was, no, no. Yeah, yeah no. There, there was not that that part of the conceit wasn't there. Yeah. yeah.
0: And it was also like this fabricated uh landscape that they were in where yes. they could actually manipulate it. So take right. the take the necklaces out, but they can also throw in fucking lasers from the sky if they want to, you know what I mean? Like they yeah, can electrocute uh-huh. someone dead, you know, <laughs> like yeah, I mean, and they, you can you know, find
1: new weapons and things like that. Yeah, for, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So
0: anyways, you know, we have the hunger games and battle Royale, um, you know, although they are different, Suzanne Collins said that her inspiration for the hunger games was essentially her experience studying or looking into uh, the poverty in Iraq uh, surrounding the war, the Iraq war with, with the U S um, yeah. so she saw that and she came up with this. I can't imagine she'd never heard of battle Royale. Now I can, yeah, I can, sure. I can come to the, I can support the conceit maybe that, that she had never seen it. Like, that's fine. Like I, yeah. I get that. Cause she would have had to have seen it after 2001 anyway, or, um, uh, 2009 or had to have gotten a bootleg and the first book right. came out in like 2008. So fair enough. Maybe she never saw it. Right. I can't imagine her not having heard of that, at least the manga because that was like really a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyways, either way, you have these two different things: one, the Hunger Games being this idea of classism and consumerism and and mm-hmm. materialism and how we, you know, how our government and how our people in poverty, you know, function together right. and and uh, how you know the the people at the top essentially watch people in poverty. Um, as some form of entertainment. Like they play with them like a game, right? Yes, and I get that. And then Battle Royale is just as uh, like viciously critical, I would say, of the Japanese culture, but it's more of, you know, these teens being misunderstood and left behind, and the government just throwing their hands up and saying, I don't know, we might as well just fucking kill him to scare him into shape, even though it's poorly thought out because every kid in Battle Royale could have been a good kid, but they just chose a random classroom. So there's like a flaw in that kind of idea from the government, which also makes them seem incompetent, especially since, well, I'll just say, especially once you see the end of the movie. (laughs) Right. So, um, so yeah, like I'm just curious, I'm going to let you go uh, and we'll just kind of briefly talk about this, I guess Uh, your thoughts on the whole argument
1: of the hunger games. And now that you've seen it battle royale. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to me, it's, there's enough different, to, you know, to justify to me, I mean, there's, I mean, even battle, you know, battle royale is not an, you know, even it's not an entirely original idea in itself here, right? Like, you know, the, this goes back to something like the most dangerous game, right? Where a man is hunting another man, which is kind of the, you know, maybe the genesis of this sort of idea anyway. And we've had, you know, umpteen incarnations of that, you know, over the past, you know, 40, 50 years, Uh, in in cinema and you know in in cinema in comics and you know whatever you know genre you want as far as mass media goes so in that sense it doesn't bother me too much it it doesn't feel to me like a complete tonal ripoff it doesn't feel you know there's a lot more going on in the hunger games um, or a lot of maybe not a lot more but a lot of it's different um it's it's pretty obvious that the there you know that there are similarities It's you know that's very very obvious it's um and there yeah there has to be some sort of inspiration you know she has to have seen it in some sense or uh, heard about the idea it's not you know like i said not the most original you know it's not it's not a terribly it's not a huge thing to say you know she could have come up with this idea separately on her own because it's not you know the just as a general idea it's and i'm trying not to be you know overly critical like i'm i'm just saying like it's not the idea itself is not like this some some giant act of genius i'll just say it like that right like th- this is a very good film and i love it but this this is an idea that you know a 10th grader could come up with you know just kind of the you know well what if we just like what if everybody in my class had to kill each other you know like you, you, anybody can come up with something that simple. It's very, it's a very simple idea. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's simple, but it's controversial. And it has, you know, and there's a lot of ways to go with it. Um, So to me, I'm like, okay, whatever. I'm not, I'm not going to just be like, oh, the Hunger Games just to rip off of, you know, like I'm, I'm no huge Hunger Games fan, honestly, to begin with. Hence, I've not even seen all the movies, much less read any, any of the books. But, you know, I, I'm willing to say, even if even if she is even if she did watch it and go, I'm going to make my own version of this, and is now kind of you know lying about it a little bit. I'll say so what. It's different enough that I'm sure. not going to you know I I can't you know disparage one over the other. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just just for that sake because yeah because they're different in so many ways.
0: Absolutely, yeah. You know, I, I, as someone who read the books, I read it because I was uh, married to my daughter's mom at the time, and she was reading the books, and she was about halfway through the first one. She's like, "This is so good." And I remember yeah. I I had a Kindle, so I got it on my Kindle at the time and I was wow. reading it and I didn't think it was like that great of writing, but it was a Dude. fucking page turner. I'll be damned. It uh-huh. was like one of those things where I would read like a hundred pages trying to go to sleep, but I just couldn't because I <laughs> regardless of whether yeah. I gave a shit about what was happening, I just wanted uh-huh. to know what was gonna happen. You know, right. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> like I didn't yeah. I didn't love the books, uh, but uh-huh. I did enjoy them. I had a good time. It was just kind of uh popcorn entertainment for me right, in, in a strange yeah, yeah. way and and I did appreciate the overall uh, idea behind it but like reading the book was different than like watching battle royale for me cuz even at that time I probably didn't even know it was a con- like a manga at the time I found out way later and so um yeah I agree with you I think you know even if the on 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 paper if you write the brush strokes of what's happening I think they look they seem to overlap um entirely. But it's all yeah. about the minutiae, dude. It's all about the subtext. It's all about Absolutely. like what they're going for. I think the Hunger Games has a place. My only beef, and this turns into a criticism now of the Hunger Games instead of Battle Royale, I guess. The thing that works for Battle Royale for me is, you know, Fukusaku or wait. Did I say that right? Yeah. I put the wrong name on here and it completely confused <laughs> me. But, anyways, Three Fukusaku four. is clearly in on it and he's making this kind of darkly comic like really intense and 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 the phone call scene as we say yes is the um, most kind of quintessential like i know that this is a comedy right um like yes. it's very clear of course there's melodrama of course there are moments that are kind of serious and there are moments where you feel for nanahara and and his peers but um uh, overall, it's it's I mean it's an anime and live action and it's it's yes. uh, it's over the top and it's it's pretty ridiculous. Yeah. It's very well done on that level, uh, but all of the you know it, it works as a popcorn flick and it also works as like a criticism on Japanese culture and and government. Yeah um
1: but even a like sorry to interrupt this one but even something like a like a starship troopers kind of satire yes Uh yeah it it works on that level yeah too so that's a great choice i I, I had to throw that in
0: (laughs) no that's perfect yeah no that that's a great example yeah Yeah. because even like the info like the little commercials or whatever in starship troopers remind me of the infomercial infomercial that they have to watch to understand what uh the instructional video, or whatever. Yeah, so uh yeah, that's that's all there. And and it's not trying so hard uh to do the criticism and stuff. My only yeah. problem with the Hunger Games movies in particular, and this is why I vastly prefer Battle Royale, is mm-hmm. um th- honestly they're 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 a P- they're PG films for a violently rated R yes. uh, story. And and yeah. and the the violent I got in trouble in school because I remember arguing with not only a professor, but also a bunch of students in a film class when I was an undergrad. Um, And I saw this and I was like, it needed to be more violent. And they were appalled. And I was like, no, it defeats the whole point because the point is you're supposed to be disgusted by this. You're supposed to, it's supposed to be abhorrent. That's why the people in the Capitol are disgusting. If it's not that we are the Capitol. Like this right. is a popcorn flick now, and that's what it mm-hmm. felt like to me. And and I I uh, I didn't like hate them, but it was very much kind of like two and a half to three out of out of five kind of territory for me because it was just like, mm-hmm. man, you're just missing the whole point here to me. I mean, it really felt like it missed the point. And and my mm-hmm. point is like, I don't think Battle Royale did that. I don't think yeah. it missed the point. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, we're allowed to be disgusted, and we're allowed to be. We're allowed to also. I mean, what's it say that we laugh at this shit? You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> like, exactly like we right, laugh yeah. at at you know mm-hmm. this guy nonchalantly reading deaths on an intercom. You know what I mean? Uh, mm-hmm. So, and and we laugh when a, a boy's necklace blows up and he sprays blood all over everyone. Like it's comical. Right and it's mm. also disturbing. And I think that also says something about us as viewers. I think this mm. film is, um, I don't think it's perfect by any means, but it's very entertaining. And I think, uh, because of the things I just mentioned and so on, I mm. think it actually says a lot more than it, get, it gets, credit for. Um, yeah. and, uh, I, I strongly encourage, uh, anyone to, to watch yeah. this. If you can handle violence at least, uh, because yeah. it is, uh, hyper, uh, violent, uh, as, as, uh, as they would say in a clockwork orange a bit of the old ultra violence so uh as alex would say so um if you want to see this uh this is also i believe did you see this for free on amazon prime okay so here get it here's my
1: story I, that was me I, setting I actually you up have, for it, yeah <laughs> yeah i actually have okay so i actually want to um before i do that i want to comment on what you said on what you said uh, in terms of your argument please i complete. i completely agree with you by the way about the hunger games being not violent enough it's that and that film was so important and maybe even self-important in all of those scenes you know where they're actually doing that you know having the the hunger games where there's actually the you know the battles the combat going on people like with stuff you know i and i brought up starship troopers which is another one where that people miss completely miss the point on a lot of times that it's when there's something so over the top gory like that, people have that reaction of just being disgusted and it just turns them off, as opposed to them being able to look at it through the, the lens that you look at it, you know, through and say, Yeah, this is what they're this is what they're going for. This is this is an indictment of us, you know, as much as anything. An
0: indictment, yeah. And
1: and, you know, what, what popped into my mind when you were talking about that, how they were arguing with with you on that on that point, you know, you and you talk about, you know, we laughed at the guy reading the names and we laughed at the blood splatter, you know, let's go back and look at Looney Tunes, you know, when we laugh at someone running off of a cliff and plunging to their death, for God's sake, <laughs> you know, being smashed, completely obliterated by a giant anvil or what the hell ever, you know, like that stuff is inherently violent, you know, Tom and Jerry, all of those cartoons kind of of that age were so incredibly and cartoonishly violent that, but you don't get people outraged about that. You know, like, you know, when, when Jerry freaking, you know, smashes Tom's hand with a hammer or smashes his, his head with a hammer or, you know, Bugs Bunny makes, or, you know, the roadrunner and Wile Coyote, somebody's like smashing into a mountain or something's exploding. You know, it's like, because we don't see the aftermath of that, we don't, it's almost like they're trying to give us permission to not take it as seriously. But then, you know, then that became a thing later on where they're like, well, what about when kids are imitating that stuff? You know, and it's like, nobody's going to imitate that if you know, a necklace blows up and blood sprays out, you know, or someone's <laughs> arm is cut off or, you know, <clears throat> like, it's not funny. It's funny, not funny, you know, not to the extent that someone's going to, you know, actually. So it's like, yeah. I, I would, yeah. I would give you the argument, which one of those is, is worse. You know, the, you know, the battle Royale where you see all of, you see the horrible aftermath or something where they sanitize it, like the hunger games, like, you know, <clears throat> you know, the, like Looney Tunes where, you don't really completely see the full aftermath. You're you're losing a point and you also have, you know, you also are watering down the impact of what you're watching.
0: Yeah. <clears throat> impact is a really important thing. And I'll just mm-hmm. say this too, and I don't remember, and any listeners can, can remind me if they want, and if you know, you can too. I don't oh. remember Katniss Everdeen ever having to kill someone she was close to. Only right. maybe the people that she didn't like or that were bad, saving mm-hmm. that character from any kind of yeah. moral uh, issue mm-hmm. to that level where she might have to kill, uh, like you know, the boy she loves or whatever. Which, right. if I remember correctly, spoiler alert: the second one they escape. If I remember yeah. correctly, so yeah, yeah um, really. she doesn't have to confront that. Mm-hmm. I mean, think about how much more it would make the capital seem so fucked if she had to yeah. kill someone she loved. You know what yeah. I mean? And
1: well, and, yeah, and that, and that isn't the part with the stuff with Peta um, is her actively choosing not to kill him, right? Yeah. That, yes. That's, that's a bit a major. Yeah, I mean, that's major the whole part of point. Yeah. yeah, and and I yeah. get
0: it, and I get it, and again, this isn't like a, a full on like criticism of of the Hunger Games. Again, I, I didn't, like, hate them or anything. It's just no, very yeah. disappointing. And and all of this Hunger Games talk is just to say that I think Battle Royale does this a lot better. And what yeah. makes me sad is a friend of mine, and Pat, if you're listening, he was a former guitarist uh, in my band. He was also in Gwen Stacy, if any, are there are any Gwen Stacy listeners out there. Uh, but anyways, uh, my buddy Pat, he gave, I looked on Letterboxd, he gave it a one and a half out of five. What? Battle Royale. Get the fuck out of here, Pat. We need to have a talk. Maybe I'll have have you on here. (laughs) Maybe, maybe, maybe I'll uh, uh, bring you on just so I can tell you why you're wrong. Um, But no, uh, I, I feel like some people really mistake. This as just some kind of splatter fest and as just, uh, you know, like very cheesy and violent and gory and it's disturbing because it's kids without understanding, I think more of like what the film's saying and, and uh, I'll, I'll defend Battle Royale all day. Um, but yeah, like I said, um, w- well, actually, you were about to say this. Where, where did oh, yeah, you yeah. see this? Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. So, yeah. So, my story. Um, so, you can watch this for free from Amazon Prime with ads. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I forgot. Yeah. So, so I turned that on. And not only is it on with ads, but it's also an English dub. So,
0: that's the worst thing I've ever heard.
1: Right. Yeah. So I got about three minutes into it and, and the, the opening scene um, you know, the, the new scene with the the, the reporters rushing at the, the girl yeah. is, is still in Japanese and subtitled. And then it goes, I think it goes to like title card or something after that or whatever, but the transition comes and then they, um, when it goes to uh Nanahara who finds his dad uh, when, as soon as that, that scene hits, it's an English dub. And I actually turned it off and went and rented for three ninety nine dollars the English subtitle version because I was like, this is not going to do it. Oh, <clears throat> so, so they I, I have the for, other
0: version on Amazon.
1: Yeah, yeah, but you oh, have okay. to rent it. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, so on Amazon, you can either rent the English subtitle version or um, watch for free with ads and an English dub, which I was like, I was like, the hell with this. Don't no. ever do that. Do not be
0: <laughs> Austin circa, you know, 2003. All right. Right. Subtitles are our friends. We want to see it in the full context. Do not watch the dubbed version. I will be personally angry with you. Don't do it. You can rent it for three 99 super cheap at many. I'm sure you can get it on YouTube and all that stuff, but it's also on Amazon. We know for sure. And, Remember that, uh, you know, when things are dubbed, you also often lose a whole lot of context. You lose a lot of culture. Yeah. Uh, you lose a lot of things from being localized. The only thing I watched dubbed, and we'll talk about this sometime, is anime. And I don't know mm-hmm. why, but there's such a charm to it. We talked about this, I think, with Spirited Away. But aside from that, don't do it. Yeah. Shame on maybe,
1: you. Maybe, maybe select kung fu movies, you know, older oh, kung fu those movies. Those
0: are kind of fun. Yeah. yeah.
1: And, you know, and it's just for comedic value. right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because, you know, when they're not, they're obviously not matching, you know,
0: at the time, they're, they're not matching. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, But anyways, you know, if, if, you, uh, if you've seen this or haven't seen this, feel free uh, to watch it um, again or for the first time. Let us know what you think, whether you agree, disagree, whatever on social media. It's Medium Cool Pod at Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. You can also hit us up at mediumcoolpod at gmail.com. Let us know your thoughts. I know we'd love to hear them. Uh, Joe, thank you for watching these two movies. Um, that were just completely out of the norm for us. This is unlike Mm -hmm. anything we've watched up to this point. I'm so glad you got to see Battle Royale. Uh, (laughs) That's really exciting. And um, I don't know, man, how do you feel about this?
1: Yeah, Battle Royale is one I've been wanting to see for a while. Um, It's one that um, um, my friend Nick Rogers has been telling me for a long time to watch. Um, I'm very, very glad that I did. Um, and as for battles as well, um, I'd never heard of it. And this is one you you know you introduced to me that I would have otherwise had no reason to ever even know about. And um, it also was a treat. So um, yeah, so I'll, I'll say thanks for that. That's that's um, these are two terrific experiences I've had over the last couple of You're years. You're very welcome. <laughs>
0: uh yeah, that's that's pretty good. I hope you guys enjoyed as well. I'm gonna go ahead and sign us off. So uh Joe, thank you very much, okay.
1: buddy. Hey, thank you.
0: All right, big, big, big shout out to the late and great Kenji Fukasaku. Definitely go over to IMDb or Letterboxd or wherever you want to and and find out what movies Kenji Fukasaku has made. If you're a big fan of Tarantino, he's a guy you should definitely be looking into, he being Kenji Fukasaku. Uh, Dude made a movie called Street Mobster, which is supposed to be really good. If you remember my conversation with three of the guys from the band Bane, in um, the very first bonus content we ever did, uh, James Saboni told me to see *Street Mobster*, and that movie is by Kenji Fukasaku. So definitely check out his work. Um, it's a real shame that he died 18 years ago. Um, the guy was honestly really talented, really interesting, and um, yeah, a big a big yakuza uh, movie guy. So. Anyways, all that said, please, um, you know, as I said during Joe and I's conversation, uh, you know, if you agree or disagree once you see it or if you have seen it, please definitely reach out to us on uh Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. That's facebook.com backslash mediumcoolpod. You can also search Medium Cool Pod on Instagram, will pop up, or at Medium cool pod on Twitter. You can also email us at pod at gmail.com. And you know what, while you're at it, uh and while we're leading up to our top ten favorite films of 2020, why don't you get on and uh, shoot us a direct message, or, or uh, you know, at us on Twitter, or, or send us a, a, a post. I don't know words. I I'm, feel really old right now, but the point is, whatever you got to do, hit us up. Let us know what your favorite film of 2020 was. We'll be posting something about it, so keep an eye out for that. We'd love to kind of shout you out, and uh, and you know, if if you're if you feel up to it, you know, just I mean, you can just simply put the name of the movie if you want but you can also tell us why you might like it and if you if you have a reason um and if you do have a reason let us know and maybe we'll share it on the show so all that said thank you so much so much so much uh for listening to our show i hope that you enjoyed us talking about kinji fukusaku's classics battles without honor and humanity and battle royale And, uh, you know, have a great week. We'll see you next week with our Cassavetes Marathon wrap-up, looking at uh, opening night and love stream. So until then, good night, good luck, and take it easy.